Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the What's in My Head podcast. Today I'm joined by Corey Toomey. Toomey worked on Adam's Family, Sausage Party, The Ed Boys, and so many other fantastic shows that we'll get to. Corey, how the fuck are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, man. It's always weird, man, because you asked that question before, then you asked that question again. So it seems like we're polite and everything. I told Jono, and Jono is a writer for uh, the Ed Boys, that I would answer yeah. or start with his question. Usually I wait till the uh, fan questions until the end. However, Jono's one I particularly liked. It wasn't anything, um, you know, uh, like crazy or, or, or uh, what's like a lot of dirt, but he wanted me to ask you what it was. What did you like so much about sharks? That was the first uh, question that came to his mind. It was like, what was Toomey's thing about sharks? <laughs> can you see like the Jaws toy back there? Yeah, yeah, I can. I like, I like purposely stayed one thing because usually I'm up in my office, but I came down here because the internet and everything's better. Uh, the shark thing is just simply a thing of. Uh, I mean, it's like when you're a kid and you love like dinosaurs and you're so fascinated with them. And like, I mean, I remember being a kid and going through like the books and looking at the T-Rex and Triceratops and all that, but also like loving the books with sharks and like, especially like great whites and like, you know, the big boys. And uh, I don't know, it's just like one of those things where it was like, like, dinosaurs aren't around anymore but sharks are and i just sort of drew to them like i was always fascinated by them i think the appeal of them like the like the design of a shark is fucking rad and then eventually i just uh really became a fan of the movie jaws which as a kid i really liked and then now that i'm older and i'm a storyboard artist and you dissect that movie and you realize how much of a genius spielberg is at 26 or whatever he was when he made that movie it's still, it's like great. Like, I mean, just the other day we're breaking down movies and I was talking about Jaws and I could just, I could go on and on and on. But yeah, I mean, the, the love for sharks sort of stems back to the childhood thing. Of, yeah. Um, just loving the books, loving them. Take the rad. My, uh, <laughs> my son, he wanted to be, when he, when he was younger, I always asked this question and I always ask him, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's like, I don't know. And then one time I got him in the right moment, right? Because we had just shown him Jaws. He's maybe like six, six years old. So this is like five years, you know, five years ago or so. And uh, I remember when we showed my younger brother, we saw Jaws for the first time. He was way younger than my son at six, right? I think my brother was maybe four. My brother would not sit down on the toilet to take a shit. He stood up because he was convinced <laughs> that Jaws was going to come up. He would not sit in the bathtub, Right. Um, because he was convinced that Jaws was going to come up through the drains. So he would always stand up. He'd always have the door open and he'd always look. He's like, Hey, you're watching me. Right. And I'm like, yeah, we're, you're okay. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. But don't take your eyes off me. Cause he can come through these drains. He's like, I saw what they did to the boat. He can get me too. So this scarred <laughs> my younger brother for so long. We show this kid, we show my kid this in six. And of course, 
like I said, this is 2000s. This is what, 40, 40 plus years after, you know, Jaws had came out. Yeah, I, think it's I think it was like 70, 70 40s. 72, 72. Uh, it's, I think it's 77. Okay, yeah, so. Fuck, I don't know. I know it's over 45 years old, and that's still so good. Yeah, I should have known this, wouldn't I? It's all right. We're not. We're not. We're not here to talk about your with your Jaws credit, right? You, you know, you don't need any Jaws cred to get out here. But uh, you know, forty years at least, right? Since this movie had been made, and I found that I couldn't show my kid older older movies until um, he had gotten a little bit older, because I showed him and he would just start laughing. He was like, "That jaw, that Jaws character, that shark is the coolest thing in the world." I'm like, "Really?" And he was like, "Yeah." He was like, and he would he would do the same thing you were talking about. He'd go to the library and get a whole bunch of books. Right. And he'd check them out on sharks and dinosaurs, of course, and animals in itself. And I asked him one day, right after he saw Jaws, I'm like, hey, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to, I want to swim with sharks. I want to be a ninja and I want to teach karate. And I'm like, fuck, man. That's pretty good. I mean, I guess, I guess you got everything planned out and you don't need me. He's like, Dad, I got this covered. And then he just went <laughs> in his life and shit, man. So whenever, whenever I hear somebody's affinity towards Jaws or sharks, I think about my brother being scared shitless back in the 90s. And then my son laughing at it because he'd laugh at the he'd laugh. He's like, this is just preposterous. He's like, this is the coolest thing in the world. He's like, I can tell this is a movie. And then we showed him <laughs> and then nobody cuts deeper than a child when it comes to like criticism. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. So we're, we're just sitting there watching Beetlejuice and he's looking and, you know, he's not really making any kind of like facial features or anything during the whole movie. And we look at him. I'm like, What do you think? He's like, it was all right. I was like, what do you mean? It was all right. He's like, man, I could tell it was fake. He's like, that all looked like, he's like, it looked not real. He's like, I can watch the Avengers and I got the Hulk. He looks real. And I'm like, man, you mm. kids these days are so fucking spoiled when it comes to movies. Like this, this was our thing, like transforming people. And that's what you did. And that's what I want to get to and segue to this point, man. You took somebody's idea or ideas and came up with it. So before we get into the Ed Boys, though, I want to know what was that first initial spark? Was it Jaws and Sharks and reading about them and wanting to draw them? Or was it something else that kind of led you down to doing what you do now for a career? To drawing? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, being a kid in the 80s, it's like I love Transformers and I loved He-Man and I love Calvin and Hobbes and Mad Magazine and all the classics, you know. Uh, but to get to drawing my biggest thing was my dad really my dad he wasn't a professional artist like mm -hmm. my dad was a truck driver but he would draw trucks and he'd draw motorcycles and stuff like that and i just thought it was the coolest thing like, yeah. to me to watch someone start with nothing and then come up with a drawing of a truck or mm -hmm. you know a motorcycle i, I just blew my mind that like you could use your imagination in that way and come up with something cool so being a young kid I just always asked my dad like you know can you draw me the drawing and like he'd do it and stuff and half the time I just sort of take the drawings to school and tell the kids that I did them but uh, <laughs> you know uh, eventually it just turned into a thing of it was such an eye-opening experience seeing my dad do this and the other thing is like he just did it for fun like mm -hmm. You know, it's never his job, but it just opened my eyes to being like, I can do this. Like, I'm going to try drawing on my own now. And uh, I, I did it when I was young. I think when I was in grade five, I really developed my own style. My teacher was really supportive of me. I drew like some really cool things. Like I just dug up these drawings I did when I was like 
like with RoboCop and Ed 209 in grade five. Like, I don't know what the fuck I was doing watching this movie, but it's just so overly violent and stuff. But I definitely had the, this weird style. Um, but from there, I just loved drawing. Like, uh, it was rad. Um, and a huge thing for me was the old 80s skate graphics. Yeah. Especially the Santa Cruz stuff. Like, Jim Phillips is easily one of my biggest influences mm -hmm. um and i i like i love the powell stuff i loved everything i love all the 80s stuff but something about jim phillips like the way his his lines were so thick and they're so bold and they're so confident and like the way those old decks had like different colorways that were just so yeah. bright and like loud and awesome like i loved it like i mean i've attached with a screaming hand on me like and this is an image of a a screaming hand that's severed with veins and blood and shit and it's blue yeah. like it was just so rad um and i think a lot of that you can see in my drawings now like the lines are thick mm -hmm. the colors are crazy and i mean a lot of that sort of comes away from like working on eggs and stuff like that for me 80s skate graphics was such a huge thing and then it carried on into high school where i always loved drawing but and I mean, I just talked about this on my on Instagram post that I was never really like the best artist. Like, I mean, when I was in high school, I was surrounded by like, some of my friends could draw, man. like yeah. some of them were really good and it pushed me. And uh, like, I looked back at my yearbook and I like, there's like this guy that could, fuck, his drawings are better than almost what I could draw now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I always like, I, I just sort of strive for like, like cartoony type stuff. Like that was always my thing. Um. But yeah, I really had to work for it, like pretty hard. And uh, in high school, like my teacher was not a huge fan of cartoons and stuff. Like he really pushed abstract painting and like wanted yeah. to experiment, which I mean, I get and it was cool and stuff. But I almost got failing grades, man. Like it was crazy. And he just, he'd go out of his way to tell me that cartoons would get you nowhere. Like at one point he actually, he made a list a list of jobs that you could get once you're like you wrap up high school and you go on you're like you know going to do something with your life and it was like you know if you're going to be a lawyer if you're going to be a doctor like you have this amount of a chance to be and then to be an artist it was like or a cartoonist it was like way down at the bottom and it was so discouraging um but and another thing he did actually one time like we had to do these watercolor paintings and I like did this paint or this painting of Dopey from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And he got so pissed off because so many people in my class did like these cartoony type things. And he left our art on the wall. And then he made the grade 11 class, which was the grade below us come up and critique fucking art. Like it was crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to trash the guy too much even though I already am, but uh, no, man, get, this guy sounds like a dick. That's what's wrong, in, in my opinion. This is what's wrong with the education system in its whole. You've got somebody that, you know, I don't know the guy from anything, right? So I'm just, as hearing the stories you're telling me and as an outsider looking in, I'm thinking of this guy that he he has, did you ever see the episode of The Simpsons um, where Marge is trying to be in a play right ned flanders is in the play too right. and trying to get homer's attention and shit and you've got john lovitz coming in that's the over director the overacting director that's 
seen stuff or he's been a part of three plays that didn't go anywhere and they're all bullshit. So he's got this self-entitled, you know, position. He's like, oh, I'm the best director. That's what I get from when I hear the story about this, this artist. So like, so this art teacher, right? He has this idea of what art should be. And art is subjective. No matter what you say, what I think of art and what you think of art, there's always going to be two different things, right? I've got stuff I like and you've got stuff you like as well as equally we dislike, right? Um, so, you know, an opinion of art or if you're teaching something like art or like music, I don't think you should be shackling your students, right? You should for sure be like, you want to be a cartoonist? Cool, man. Pursue that. Oh, you want to just draw fucking, you know, realistic paintings of people? Go for that. You want to do these shattered mosaic? Like it's, it's so subjective. It's so open when it comes to art and to just sit here and think of, cause you always have bad teachers. I had bad teachers and I wasn't in art, right? I was just in like yeah. regular, regular high school, just shit teachers. And then you find that one teacher, right? That just completely changes in your outlook on, on your mind on what, whatever it is you're chasing, whether it be sports, whether it be home economics, whether it be math, English, right? They change your entire perspective about what schooling is or what learning is. And I feel like if we had more teachers that you probably wouldn't have had such failing or not failing grades, excuse me, but lower grades because this dude was just pushing abstract art, what he thought art should be or what art is. Does that make any sense or? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I was so pissed off like when I was uh, in the thick of it, but like looking back at it, I, I do sort of understand what he was trying to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was a fan of my work. He just wanted me to move on from cartooning. And I mean, I get it. Like you should try like, you know, drawing from life, obviously. And you have to explore, like you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I mean, I, I just, I wasn't enough. And I, I mean, I wasn't a, a huge fan of him, but what I ended up doing later on because I mean this is in grade 12 now uh like we had to go on this work experience program mm -hmm. so I met up with my career counselor and the thing is too is like I don't want to just rag on these people because like I mean I live in Vancouver now and I grew up in Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows which is only an hour away from the city but it's just so far removed from what's going on in the city another thing is like this is the uh, the mid-90s which like the internet is just a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I had no idea about the animation industry, like at all, like yeah. pre-internet. I don't even know. Do you know what that was like? Like, I mean, barely. I remember them <laughs> when, whenever I went to my first computer class, um, this was, were you ever a fan of Dragon Ball Z back in the nineties and shit? No, that was like, that was after like, uh, okay. me like right now, my son's really into Pokemon and I like, I just, was never into it because it's just a bit too old. I was more into punk rock records and drinking beer at the time, probably. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. So that one, that one was the first show that I remember. Like, oh shit! Like everybody really, really liked and everybody really enjoying. Like everybody knew about it from the parents. It was like Pokemon before Pokemon, essentially, as far as like kids go talking about it. Dragon Ball Z, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, I remember going to computer class for the first time ever, and then she was like, "All right, we'll just you know." get on the internet and I remember going like what's what am I getting on and I've got this old school like they remember the Macs that were real boxy and they would have yep. different colors and shit so that's what I had right 
So we're just sitting there and I was like, well, what do I do? And they're like, well, it's just like a typewriter. And I was like, okay, let me rework this. Uh, what does a typewriter do? Cause I've never used one before. I'm like second grade or whatever. I'm like, well, what do I do with a typewriter? And they're like, well, you just type, you know, stuff out. Um, so I remember typing out, you know, it's probably later than second grade. It's probably like third or fourth somewhere in there. But I remember typing out like Dragon Ball Z and whatever it was. And I remember this really cool picture going up and you were allowed to print one picture every class. And um, I remember printing this picture and I wanted to do animation when I was younger. I just, I could see something I could draw, it, right? Not to scale or anything good, but I would take these pictures home and that's what I would practice. I've got a, a book around here somewhere of like all the shit I draw. Like I'll, I'll pull them out every once in a while. I'll start drawing again and doodling and shit like that. Um, but it's just like, I'm so absorbed with everything I'm doing. It's just one of those things that I just don't do as much as I used to as a kid. But I remember taking these pictures home and then like hanging them up in front of me. Like you know, yeah. who would Piccolo and all these people. And then I would just draw them. And then we use these pictures that we would print from school as like social currency, if that makes sense. Like, it's like, oh man. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what do you got? It's like, oh man, I got that picture of Piccolo. What do you got? He's like, oh shit, son. He's like, I got that picture of Vegeta. You know, you trade, it was like trading basketball cards and baseball cards and shit. Yeah. Like trade photos and shit. Um, so that was like my first introduction to the, to, to the internet and to computers in itself. And man, it's compared to what it was back in the day. Like you've got a encyclopedia in your phone or in your pocket, right? You've got all these tools to connect. Like we connected on, on social media and shit. Um, you've okay. got all these tools that we didn't have back in the day. Um, and, you know, driving just a little bit past, uh, you know, your high school and shit like that. And something that I, I keep hearing from every artist, writer, and voice actor was Danny's love for physical art. Right. I saw so many pictures. It was fuck digital art. He ended up getting a tattoo yeah. on him as well. Um, but with you, you went from, you know, pen and paper, I'm assuming when you first broke in, correct? Or pencil and paper? Yeah. No, I mean, when I didn't really move to digital till like 10 years ago, which was a little late. I mean, Cintiqs and stuff were around. Everyone was drawing digitally. I was working at this place. I, I remember telling someone, oh, I don't want to do that job. I don't want to draw digitally. I'm just going to fucking draw a pencil and paper. And like, yeah, I could only get away with that for like so long. Like a year later, it's just like, no. Like, What's it like though? Like going from essentially, because it, it's, it's the only reason I bring it up is because I see this parallel between physical and digital art, like internet and pre-internet, right? So what's yeah. it like, you know, starting in one medium in your industry? And then I don't want to say the entire industry being flipped upside down, but you guys are being forced to, you know, keep up with the internet age, keep up with the digital age, right? Keep up, keep up, keep up. And what was that like when you, st when you physically had to go from pen, paper, pencil, paper to digital? I mean, was it a huge learning curve for you? Uh, it, it wasn't that big. I mean, I, uh, I, I just use this program called Sketchbook, which I'm sure everyone knows about. And it's pretty, it's pretty simple. And it also picks up the pen pressure pretty well. Like it, it didn't feel that foreign or anything. I was like, oh, this, it sort of feels like drawing. And like, I just, I was so used to like uh, having an animation just scanning the disc to like, if I wanted to pull down the line or like push line or however I wanted to draw, I'd always be spinning that disc all the time. Yeah. So, for me, I was like, oh, how am I going to do that? But then they had like features where you can rotate the canvas and whatnot. And eventually it got to a point where if you did rotate the canvas, it just lags so heavily that you just sort of had to get used to 
not doing that as much anymore. Um, but like drawing digitally, I, I pretty much made the switch from doing character design and any design to storyboards the same time I made the jump from drawing pencil and paper to digital. So like, it was all sort of new to me. Like I was just sort of starting over. Um, and when I did start doing storyboards, and this is after AKA, because AKA was all paper and pencil for me. But yeah, once I started doing storyboards, that's when I had to really jump in and draw digitally. And it would make no sense to draw on paper at that point. It was just so much faster. I think Scott even talked about how just sizing things up and down, like cutting and pasting them, yeah. instead of going to the photocopier shrinking things down 10 percent, then being like ah oh, fuck i gotta shrink it down a little bit more so you had to shrink it down another five or ten like i don't know it it just didn't make any sense and i mean i'm not like i still like drawing and pa- pencil and paper every so often i really like drawing with my kids right now like we have a whole bunch of markers and it's just sort of a fun way to you know get back to looseness and just sketch out things instead of drawing a line and erasing it right away and drawing a line I mean, I was pretty accustomed to drawing with pencil and having my little like eraser shield and all these types of things that I'd use drawing. I mean, I'm a fan of both. I think you just have to enjoy doing both. It wasn't that. I don't know why I fought it so much for a bit, (laughs) but I have no problem with drawing digitally. I mean, I know Danny has like the FDD tattooed on his hand and it's sort of funny because like later on, like, uh, I was working on this snot rocket stuff for Danny. Like, I don't know if you've heard much about snot rocket. Like, I don't know. you don't know about snot rocket? No. Oh, if you're a fan of Ed and Eddie, like you should look into okay. it. I don't know if there's a, a trailer for it or anything, Okay. but it was a show that Danny was trying to do after the Eds and uh, Scotty did a board for it. I did one. It, it was, it was just so cool. There must be a clip somewhere. But I mean, it had a real Calvin and Hobbes type feel like this little boy and a dog and like the dog could sort of get sucked into the kid's imagination. It was like, it was crazy. It was super cartoony. It was, it was super rad. But um, yeah, where was I going with that? Talking about Danny? Oh, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were just talking about the uh, FDD and then you came back and then you started doing Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Fuck. Oh, no worries. <laughs> So when I went to have a thumbnail meet with Danny later on, it's like he has the fuck digital draw tattoo on his hand and he's like going up to the whole having to try to go around on his thing, you know. It's uh, it's funny. I mean, I get it, but uh, I definitely have to embrace drawing digitally now. And sorry. So if you had- but yeah, definitely check out try to find Snot Rocket. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about it, but I've got it. I've got it written down here because it sounds in it. Any any time I hear the names, Danny, you, Scott, you know, Big Jim, Joel, I don't care what it is. I'm gonna go check it out, man. I I, I like supporting the people that essentially supported me when I was younger and supported me when I was deployed, man. I, I brought this up in the last interview I had, but I was like, I took you guys with me wherever I went, right? I had these and kids these days won't know it because everybody's fucking streaming these days. But the uh, remember the DVD binders that yeah. way you just slide all your DVDs in there, right? Weighed like 40, 50 pounds. I had two of them, right? And they were about this thick a piece, right? From movies to TV shows. And I don't think 
the entire series of the Ed Boys was out on uh, on mm-hmm. DVD at at all when I was deploying and shit back in like 2009, 2010, 2011 that that era um, because the Ed Boys had just wrapped up in 2008, to, end of 2008, early 2009 maybe. Um, so nothing was hitting DVD yet. So we would get them because people would you know torrent them off of online and shit. They would take it and then we put it on DVDs and then we get passed around you know, to the sailors, the Marines, the army guys, whoever, what, because when you're deployed for so long, you, you drink when you go to port. I don't, cause I don't drink. I smoke weed. It's so much better, but I couldn't do that in the Navy because they tend to frown upon that and kick you out and shit. Um, but most people, they drink, they'll watch movies, they'll work out. And that's essentially all they really do when they're deployed. Um, me, I would take all these DVDs that I would get, you know, from Ed, Ed and Eddie to Dexter's lab to Johnny Bravo to whatever. And I would put them in and you guys transported me to a time where, you know, I wasn't focusing on missing my wife and missing my son. Yeah. I still miss them. I still miss the country that I came from, but you guys gave me like a chance to like decompress, right. You gave me a chance to like reset laugh when I didn't want to laugh or didn't think I could laugh, man. And for that type of shit, no matter what you do, I always support you guys because of that reason right there, man. Like I said, I took you guys with me wherever I went. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's why I, I love whenever there's a new project I don't know about with Snot Rockets or somebody tells me about a new book. I mean, I got mentioned this book and it's one of the best books I've ever read in my yeah. life. You know, it's the entire thing on animation from start to finish. Well, start to like, I think it ends around the 80s, I think is when the revised edition ends. Um, but, you know, it's just I love seeing different projects. Um, and you brought up Danny. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've been watching this video or any of my videos with any of the Ed boys here, um, you'll know that Danny is the creator of Ed, Ed and Eddie. I'd love to know how you kind of got over to AKA. Was was it like Big Jim and Joel was essentially your first job? And I think it was Scott's as well. First job in animation at that point? Uh, no, it wasn't for me. I mean, I like just to sort of quickly go back to my high school story I'll like just go from high school to college to my first job and then to my second job which was at any but um yeah when I was in high school I like and whatever happened with my art teacher I mean I just sort of rebelled against him my counselor told me I should go work at their video store and I was like nah, I'm not gonna do that so this is like I was talking about pre-internet i was at a house party once and there's this local paper that had all the ads for like concerts and everything it was called the georgia Strait. so I, I was flipping through it and they had an ad for the vancouver film school which offered an animation course which i'd never heard of i mean this is me living in pit meadows so you know i'm at the party drinking the next day i'm hung over and i phone this place and i'm like hey like uh i'm interested in this um uh, and like traditional animation course and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I thought I'd have to go in and send them a portfolio, but they didn't want a portfolio. They're like, oh, you, you know, you could probably be a part of it. And I was like, well, how much is this thing for film school? And I think at the time it was like $11,000. And to me, I was just like, nope. Like, ah, sorry, I got to go like quick. <laughs> um, and the other thing about like the mid nineties and there's nothing against the film school. Like all those guys, I think went there. It's a good school. I have friends that work there. Um, but at the time it was just too much money. And I don't even know what it is now. It's way more than $11,000. Yeah. But at the time in 1995, uh, there's cap college was starting a new animation program and it was in its first year. And I caught wind of that. So I phoned them and they're like more of a community college, which, 
was a fraction of the price. But it was the very first year they're doing it. And they were trying to compete with Sheridan, which is like the other big school uh, back east. But first year, they were accepting applicants. Um, I think 600 people apply for like 25 spots, yeah. something insane. So as a high school kid, I took every drawing I ever did from like grade nine to grade 12, just stuffed it in like one of those leather binding portfolios. And I handed in, and I had like really bad drawings of like stuff like, here's Super Mario and Luigi eating a bunch of mushrooms and doing whatever. <laughs> uh, all this stuff that wasn't good, but I just put everything I had, I submit it, and then I don't get in. And I was super bummed, because like I really wanted to get into this animation uh, program. So from there, I um, actually took some night classes and I drove from Pitt Meadows to North Van, the life drawing class, like in grade 12. And I took an uh, introduction to animation, which this was the big one. Like it was doing the bouncing ball test and animating for the first time. And like, that's what blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Like doing the bouncing ball test, it was so simple. And then you shoot your stuff and then you see it played back. Like, I mean, like, I don't know much, you know, about like traditional animation. Like, you know. I'm, I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm as far as getting to see how the sausage is made or how the cartoon is made. I'm still very new, but go as nerdy as you need to, because I love this type of talk. And I think a lot of the fans ask for this type of talk too. Whenever people have animators on, they really like it. So go as nerdy as you Yeah. Can. I mean, I wish I was upstairs. I'd show you what animation disc is, but like whenever you see like animation paper with like the three points and like you'd essentially put a piece of paper down, draw like your circle, and then you put another piece of paper down and like you can animate like the bouncing ball. Like it's sort of the classic starting exercise for animation. But after you have your pages there, you can go shoot it. So it'd be like frame by frame. And then when you play it back, that's when you see the animation, yeah. right? And it's like your little drawings of a circle just become this ball that's more brought to life. And like, that's the light bulb moment is when you animate for the first time and you're blown away. Like when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to draw. I figured like, to me, graphic design is a bit boring. Um, I was like, I really wanted to do, like make cartoons and stuff. But once I did the bouncing ball test and took this part-time animation class, that's when I was like, like this is rad like I want to do this and uh I mean I I worked really really hard to get into that second year so I I, I like life drawing courses I, I draw animals I draw locations I try to like get out of my comfort zone and try to draw as much as I could yeah and work really really hard to get into the second year and I mean it was a weird time because it's like I was out of grade 12 and I wasn't going to college I just had time to draw and I had to tell my parents like no like don't worry like I I'm gonna get in and they're like well if you don't get in this year like you can take some time off after grade 12 but after that you got to go to like UBC or whatever other university so I I really busted my ass working and trying to improve myself as an artist then I got in I did get into cap college so I was in the second year and it's a two-year program. Um, after the first year, I actually applied to AK. Mm -hmm. And everyone, like, um, this is a time when, like, Disney had a studio in Vancouver. And, like, there was just this big buzz about the animation industry. That's how I initially sort of found out about uh, the, 
the studios because they ran like an article in the newspaper and they listed off every like studio's name, like Studio B, Bardell, Natterjack, aka <clears throat> Delaney and Friends. So I like just had like a list of all those places. And actually, just to backtrack a little teeny more, like before I ended grade 12, and my uh, counselor told me to go to the video store, I actually called every one of those animation studios and said, Can I come and hang out at your studio just for two weeks? Mm-hmm. And they all said no. Like I phoned AK at this point, I phoned Studio B, Bardell, all of them. Everyone said no, except for this one place called Delaney and Friends. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Come on. So I drove and I just hung out in the studio for two weeks. And this is around the same time I was taking like the, um, the classes and whatnot. And it, it not much was going on at the studio. It was basically like they did a lot of TV commercials and stuff, like all traditionally, all like painted on cell. I don't know if you know what cell yeah. Yeah. stuff is, but. At this time of production, it was pretty much just cell painters. Mm-hmm. So I'd like drive in and I'm like this high school kid hanging out with all these old salty animator types, <laughs> like these cell painters just talking shit about the industry. And I was like, oh, this is rad. Like, I was so into it. Um, and it was really cool. And I actually tried painting a cell. Like, and it's, it's so hard. It's super hard. Like, those guys are talented, man. Like, it's not a thing of just painting. It's more like you're moving the paint around and whatnot. But so what makes it yeah, so difficult? It was, it was crazy. It was, it was super difficult. What, um, what made it so difficult to paint? Was it just the material that was made out of it? Did, it didn't adhere very well? or? Well, it's just like, if, if you're going to paint, I, I'm not a painter, but the paint couldn't be too thin or else it would be seen through the cell. Like it sort of had to be glopped and more like pushed around. Yeah. So like it would be opaque and not transparent. So like if you're watching a cartoon and it looked a bit lighter, like you could see through, like maybe the cell wasn't painted that well or whatever. But regardless, it was interesting. I just ate it all up. It's like, oh, this is rad. And this is like going from like, you know, my high school teacher telling me cartoons are going to get me nowhere. My accounts are saying I should work at a video store. And now I'm like really sort of figuring all these things out because I'm like in this work experience program, even though I'm only hanging out with cell painters and then I'm taking part-time classes. And then, you know, I do get into first year college. I applied to all those places um, in the summer, didn't get in anywhere. I actually worked at Electronic Arts, um, which had like, do you know EA Sports? Like they make all the... Yeah, sports games and um, hockey, which is like the classic one. Yeah, the basketball. I, I worked on uh, FIFA 98 in 1997. It was like, <laughs> that job was probably like one of the best jobs I've ever had. It, it's like I was just this young punk rock kid and like I just drank coffee and ate donuts and played video games all day as a game tester, like in the QA thing. And then I they had like a foosball table in the lunchroom. It was so rad. Um, but regardless, whatever, I, I didn't get into AK. I didn't get into any of those places, but quite a few of other students were getting into animation, um, like getting animation jobs before they were done their second year. Uh, and like, that was cool. They're sort of lined up for when they graduated. And when I graduated, I, um, I didn't think I was like really that good. Like I, I, I thought I fucked up a bit. I was like, I don't think I worked hard enough. Because like all these other guys were getting like hired right out of school. And when I graded, I thought 
I might have to go back for a bit. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough. Like you really, I mean, any artist, like just those results, but I, um, I didn't think I was good enough, but actually got a job at this place called Studio B, which at the time, well, I mean, it's still, you know, it was a good studio. It's been bought out by other companies and been different things since, but I was just stoked to have a job. I was like, one of my um, classmates sort of recommended me. So I got a job at this place called Studio B and I worked on a show called Ned's Newt, which you probably don't know of. It's it, up in Canada. It, um, the Newt was voiced by Harlan Williams, which he's a Canadian actor and you might know him in Half Baked. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Or if you've seen that movie called Dumb and Dumber, he's uh, the cop that drinks the ball of this. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen that movie. It's a funny story. Uh, let me just segue for just a second on Dumb and Dumber. So as you can tell behind me, I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan. And I've also yeah. had them all over my arm and up my arm and stuff, right? So huge Ninja Turtle fan. I had two, and we're talking VHSs and shit. So I had two VHSs that were on, like, it was like repeat, right? So as soon as one got done, the other one went in. Um, and Ninja Turtles was the first one, that first 90s movie where they had the Jim Henson suits and everything. And then Dumb and Dumber. Right. So as soon as one got done, the other one went in. Right. So I burnt out Ninja Turtles three times. I only burnt out Dumb and Dumber once because my mom would never buy that movie again. Once oh, yeah. It, yeah. Once it got to the most annoying sound in the world, my mom was like, never fucking again. <laughs> this movie will never grace its presence in my house again. So I never got to see. I mean, I have it now and I try to get my mom to watch it every once in a while when she comes over. Um, but yeah, so that's my little Dumb and Dumber story. Um, nice. going, back, going back to your studio B man so you get there you got the recommendation from your friend you thought you'd have to go back and redo some night classes and stuff but what was it about yeah. studio B that really progressed you forward in your career uh I mean for me it was more just it was a starting point I worked on Ned's new as a cleanup artist which is um I mean I guess it's considered an entry-level type job okay um and I wanted to be an animator. That was my thing. Like I told you a bit about the first time I animated, but I always just thought I would be a character animator. It's just at the time there weren't many animation jobs. Actually, when I did work at Studio B, I got to animate a little bit in this uh, commercial, which was pretty cool. But I did, I was mainly a cleanup artist and that job sounds super boring, which it wasn't the most exciting job. It was pretty much like on Ed's Newt, you'd have a character designer that would draw the Newt and whatever design it was going to be. And it would be a, a rough drawing. And then that would go to me. And then I would put on my light table. And I, I mean, I wouldn't trace, but I would try to clean up the drawing and keep the life of the drawing and keep like you have to work on line quality and all these types of things. And it was a good entry-level job, and I did that for a long time. And I mean, to this day, I still hear people talk about my line quality and my line and Instagram and how did you do that? And for me, it was just like I starting in the trenches and doing that for so long. Yeah. And from being a cleanup artist, I went uh, like up the ladder a little bit to become a, a prop designer on the show Angry Beavers. Love that. Show. And and cat dog love that one too uh, which is you know pretty cool angry beavers actually like those props were pretty realistic i remember some of them as like like they weren't overly cartoony like some of them were 
quite intricate. Like I was just looking at one of the drawings. I was like, wow, this, this is crazy. But uh, yeah, so I, I was a prop designer on those two shows. And then I was on Angry Beavers and I'd been working at Studio B for about a year. And then I just got uh, laid off. <laughs> like, there weren't any scripts coming up from LA to design from. And I lost my job and I was just totally blindsided at the time. I didn't know what the hell to do. I'd only been working for a year. Yeah. And uh, got the old pink slip. So yeah, I don't know. It was, it was in the middle of, or it wasn't the middle of summer. I remember it being August and I was out of work. I mean, I didn't look for a job too heavily because it was the summer and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go drink beers at the beach for a bit. And then <laughs> I did that a lot. It was pretty good. That was like the first time I got a taste of not working. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I like doing this. It, it, but, is, it is fun, ain't it? Like last yeah, year, it's not, it's not bad. The, like last year like, when we got sent home, it was like, wow, like what do we, like, like I look at my wife and I'm like, cause I, I didn't, I never stopped. Like once I got out of the Navy, I never, st- I was just work, 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 school, work, school, yeah. work, school, work, school, work. And I look at my wife, like, you know, three weeks into like being shut down. Cause like March 17th, it shut down for us for sure. And I just remember yeah. looking at her and I'm like, what do I do now? And she's like, Lowe's is open. Home Depot is open. You want to renovate some of the house? And I'm like, not really, but I mean, I, I guess I don't, I'm not a real man. I don't know how to fix shit. My wife does pretty much everything. Like when it comes to like, she's, she's taken the, taken this house. Like she had this whole shell of this house and just completely made it the beautiful place we live in. I mean, from, from her family coming over and helping redo the kitchen and everything. Like I just lift heavy stuff up and then I move it to the other side of the room. And then like, when they show me stuff, like I retain it and shit like that. But for the most part, I, my wife had to show me how to change a tire. Right. My wife, right. My wife I, I cook for a living and I cook at home. Right. So, you know, if you look at like the old, uh, the old system, like I would not be the guy with the beard essentially is what I'm getting at. I would be the one in the dress. Like if you took, you know, old value rules and all that other shit, like it used to be in the fifties and sixties and stuff like that's the roles we would have because she can make a house. I can just keep a house clean. So I'm essentially, what I'm saying is I can make, uh, I'm a pretty good single mother if I was ever single. Um, but, but, but nonetheless, man, and I don't really know why we got on that topic other than. Oh, we're know, just talking about not working. And when you're talking oh, about beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Sorry, man. Like, even when I got earlier, like this pandemic has just completely fried my brain. Like I, I used to be the most stubborn person that wouldn't like hold on to a grudge forever and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And now I'm like, why was I so mad about this? And I'll ask my wife and she's like, oh. you and seem like a really nice guy though. Like all the Canadians I talk to, man, all of you guys are fantastic. Um, the nicest fucking people. And like you, and by you guys, I mean the Ed, the Ed boys casting crew, right? completely changed what this podcast was supposed to be this podcast was only supposed to be for ninja turtle stuff like that, oh yeah yeah I, like when i started this podcast i remember watching the first movie and i remember seeing names right and i was like why don't i know these guys names and these girls names why don't i know these people in these credits why is an hour and 50 minute movie go by so long and that's not how that how long that movie was it's only like a 96 97 minute movie but like and the credits go like this like, why yeah. aren't there more of an emphasis on these people's names? And I was talking to Matt Hill, voice of Ed, and then Mike Kubat, one of the writers for the Ed Boys. And he was like, yeah, have you ever thought about reaching out to artists? And I'm like, no. Like, why, like, why did I not think of that? Like, why didn't I think to reach out to just 
writers and artists and anybody that had anything to do with that show. And you, you talked about it when you first got your, your, your first job. It was a cleanup artist, correct? I had the right terminology there? Yeah. I mean, there's so many jobs at what you guys do for any production, right? So everybody's hands or brain is touching something in that project. So to sit here and just go off of, oh, I just want to talk to voice actors. Well, yeah, that might be cool, but eventually, you know, it's a voice actor each time. You know, you, they just read what's given to them. Some people ad lib stuff. And then for this show specifically, what is so fascinating about the show, it was so artist driven because Danny was an artist. Oh, yeah. Danny is an artist, right? So it was yeah. art, 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 right? And that's, that's what, I, like I said, that's what I absolutely love about the show. It was something completely different. And then each time I've talked to somebody from you guys' camp, AKA, it's always led to somebody else. Like if we didn't talk to him, check this guy out, check this lady out. Like I found out about so many other people because Mike opened up this idea of like, oh man, you can talk to anybody, writers, artists, directors, you know, anybody just keep it open, talk to them, you know, see what's going on. And it's been such a huge perspective as far as like looking at stuff. And it changed my mind going back to the COVID thing. Like when you get kicked out of like your job, I guess, right. At least what it was yeah. for me. Uh, the restaurant shut down, told us all to go home. And we didn't know when we were coming back. We thought it was gonna be for two weeks, then two weeks turned into six months before I got back into a restaurant. Um, and being a creative guy, because that's what food is, right? Our, our canvas is a plate, uh, a yeah. bowl, you know, uh, a pot, you know, you guys is, a, is pen and paper or on an iPad, you know, depending on what you're doing at that point in time. Um, so when it's, it's always weird being a creative guy and having so much shit to say, and then having nobody to say it to, you know, because I can't feed anybody other than my family. Um, and yeah. that's kind of where this started. I was just like, oh, I want to talk to people, man. I was like, I like talking. Um, I like knowing what Corey thinks and what Corey did in his career. Why? And, and it, it came up to those those credits. Like, why don't I know these people's names? But I know who Ed, Ed and Eddie is. Why do I know Danny? But I don't know Corey or Joel or Scott or Mike or Jono or Rachel or any of these other names. Why don't I know these guys' names? And this is what this podcast has turned into is taking you guys that work in the animation field. And I'm not saying I'm going to revive anybody's career or, you know, put it out there, but I do feel like there is a certain injustice done with what you guys do. What you guys do is so painstakingly, it'd be annoying to me, but just sitting there for hours drawing something days drawing something you guys is blood sweat and tears literally go into stuff we watch yet we don't you guys should be household names Corey. is what i'm getting at man you guys should be like oh fuck i know exactly who Corey toomey is i don't have any doubt in my mind who Corey is and that's what this podcast is really shaping up to be and what i want it to be um but i don't really know you know as far as like how all of this fits together just yet but just know that's why this podcast and the COVID was a horrible time for a lot of people, but it was a good, good thing to really put shit into perspective, right? I don't want to be yeah. to work anymore. I don't want to be, if I can show up to, to work and it's just this, me and my PJ pants and a cool t-shirt every once in a while, that's what I got to strive for. And I think that's what COVID did for a lot of people, me specifically. Oh, yeah. But what about you? How are you enjoying being at home? Because I know we've talked about it, you know, through, through chat and everything like that. But how are you liking being home and how's it working for you? Uh, I mean, it's, it's working pretty good. Uh, I mean, it was definitely a bit of an adjustment. It's been just over a year now when things really shut down. Like I remember it when COVID really started to pick up and they asked people like, Hey, like, would you guys be willing to work at home? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I think I'd rather stay at the studio as long as possible because I just felt I'd get more done 
I mean, I sort of like my routine. I can walk to work. It's just like a 20 minute walk for me. I like sort of having that break, going to work, going out to get late, you know, the stuff you do at work. Right. Um, but then eventually it just became a thing of you guys got to go. <laughs> like it's like an order. Everyone's going, you're going home. So my studio has been really cool about it. They set us up like um, to work at home. I mean, uh, we got like a laptop and there's definitely about a month of some pretty patchy technical things like just getting up and running, having everyone drawing and trying to work off the same network and getting used to doing meetings a lot like we're doing where, you know, you'd have your morning Zoom meeting with whoever you're meeting with, like, which is usually at the time I was working on the movie. So um, quite a few people like from all over, you know, but I definitely say there's, good things about working at home and then there's other things that aren't the best um although i do like working at home if i was told i have to go back into work tomorrow I'd be like, <laughs> but uh mainly i mean it, it's great it's like for me to see my kids more to wake up and hang out with them and then they're off to school and i just sort of go upstairs to work and then i can you know be with them at lunch and come down like coffee breaks or like you know no longer with your like people your friends at work and stuff it's coming down and hanging out with your daughter and your wife and it's really cool I mean I actually I quite like it a lot um I think the only thing for me is I I just need to be better at uh getting back to sort of like the more scheduled life that you have when you are going to work because I don't get up and get out nearly as much as I can I mean in Vancouver it rains eight months of the year like it's pretty nasty sometimes like you're don't want to go anywhere um and sometimes I just don't and I feel like a hermit um half the time I'm like fuck am I wearing the same clothes I've been wearing for last week I don't know like, <laughs> you know but it is really great uh seeing the family so much and every once in a while like my daughters do, and she'll come up to my office, and next thing you know, she's just sort of there. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just need to be better at getting out and um, getting outside a little more, getting more routine. But, and it definitely the whole work-life balance gets a little blurred sometimes when you just wake up, work, come downstairs, eat, go sleep. Like, just that cycle, you know, like feels like fucking groundhog day like you know <laughs> doing the same thing such a great movie too uh, but i mean the other thing too to be said about working from home is um i mean I, we worked on a movie last year and despite all the problems with technical glitches and trying to get things up and running like the deadline for the movie didn't move like yeah. you know due to a global pandemic, like it still stayed in place. Uh, and we had to hit that deadline. And the team I work with did a crazily good job doing it. And we made a little, like we made a movie on these little laptops and we just sort of got by, you know, like. What, can you talk about which movie it is or? Uh, I think it's been announced. It's like a sequel to Adam's Family. Okay, yeah. So. Okay, I, I thought that's what you were talking about because when we did our little talk before I hit record, I'm pretty sure, I, I knew that was what you were talking about. Uh, at least I wanted to think, you know, make sure. But yeah, um, I think I told you offline. I don't know if I told you online, but we, we really enjoyed Adam's family. Um, yeah. 
what was it like? Well, actually, we'll get to Adam's family in just a little bit. Let's keep it on track with, you know, studio. When I was unemployed and drinking on the beach and then I was about to, <laughs> that was like. Yeah, let's get back to the the hard, horrible shit in your life, Corey. Let's talk about the, you know, like, ah, oh, fuck, what, how am I going to get my next meal type of look? Yeah, I mean, back after getting laid off of, on Angry Beavers, I like the way we were just sort of jumping back and forth, like <laughs> Pulp Fiction or whatever fucking movie. But uh, yeah, like, I, it was the end of the summer. I was, you know, a young kid, like a 20, 21, maybe, I don't know. But it was rad. I just went to this place called Rec Beach, which is actually a nude beach. I mean, it wasn't naked, but I just go skimboarding all day. I was drinking beers. It was a good time. But then it started to be like, well, I guess I should probably get a job. And uh, I got a phone call saying that AKA was looking for a prop designer, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I always sort of wanted to work at AKA. It was always the cartoony place. And it always sort of had this reputation of being a bit crazy. Yeah. But um, I was pretty into it. Um, and I went and uh, I had to do a test for the design test. And I, I sort of got tricked because I thought it was just for prop design. But turns out it was for character design, prop design, and effects design, which effects is like, you know, if Eddie gets slammed against the wall and there's like the effects lines and whatever indication of like Eddie, like they put this. Yeah. Th- those were what the effects were. So it was a bit more than I thought it was going to be. But I was also sort of stoked because, I mean, I always wanted to be a, uh, not so much character designer, but I wanted to draw characters. I was always wanting to be the character animator. That was my thing. And to go from prop designer to characters, it was, it was a big one. So, I mean, I was stoked. I took the test and the test was like, I, you have to draw a list of things, right? Like I had to draw a feather and I had to draw Jimmy with his retainer all wrapped around his head. I remember you had to draw Ed single D and he like I, I don't know what was going on with his belly it was like popping all over the place like or whatever so I had to draw this stuff and it really took my time and uh like when I drew the feather I, I drew like this really big fucking feather it took up the whole page it's like oh, I'm gonna draw this really good feather here and then um the Jimmy one actually just posted on Instagram like one of the first drawings ever did of him and it wasn't that good but it was sort of pushed and it was sort of weird. And I feel like that drawing along with the Ed one is probably what got me the job. But um, when I took my test in, I had to wait a little bit. And then I, I met up with the coordinator, this girl, Jilly, and I sat down with her at the front of the AK studios. And like AK was a crazy place, man. Like when you went in there and they had like the brothers grunt poster and like the crazy art and shit that Danny had all over the place. Like it was, it was nuts in there. So it's super intimidating. And I go and I sit in this little um, couch or whatever. And then Jilly comes up to me and I'm expecting her to be like, Oh, these drawings are good. Like you're going to get the job. But instead she is like, Oh no, this is wrong. This adds off model. And this Jimmy doesn't look right. And this doesn't look good. And I, I thought I blew it. I was like, Oh fuck. Like I'm not even get this job. And she made me feel horrible. So, I mean, I laughed. I was super bummed because uh, I, I really wanted to work there. And uh, I lived by this university, like UBC, University of British Columbia, with all these other guys that were going to 
the university at the time. I was super bummed. So we just went out drinking and we went out drinking at like noon mm-hmm. and stayed out till well past midnight. Like, I mean, I put in a solid 12 hour shift of drinking beer. <laughs> uh, next morning, my roommate's banging on the door and saying like, there's a phone call. Cause I mean, I didn't think I had the job. Uh, and I just like, you know, threw a pillow and I was like, get out of here. And he, like, he's like, no, like it's just someone from the studio. And I, I was way too hungover. Like my skull was just splitting. Like, I can't deal with this. Like I'll, I'll talk to them later. And I don't think I got up to like four in the afternoon or something like that. <laughs> and then I called back or I like, I, I think there's a message and it was Ruth and it was Ruth being like, you know, we want you to come in. We like you. We want like, you can have the job pretty much. Like, do yeah. you want to come in? And I was like, there's no way I was coming to my head still. I was too hungover. I'm like, oh, I'll just come in tomorrow. So and my first day was on a Friday. I don't think I've, I've told like no one this story except for maybe a handful of people like me not coming in that first day but yeah I mean once I talked to Jillian I thought I blew it so my first day was Friday and I went take a and uh yeah got the job talked to Danny met him for the first time super intimidating what was that first meeting like it's pretty intense I mean Danny's a pretty intense guy you know uh but he's super nice. Well, I can say Danny's super nice. He, but he is a really nice guy. Like, <laughs> Danny's a funny guy because there's just so many stories about him. And he's a really intense, passionate person. He's like insanely intense about his show, which Ed and Eddie was his baby. And mm-hmm. with the pen that thing, to whatever end, you know. Uh, so meeting Danny was cool. I mean, before that, I got to watch um, the Ed's. And it was Pop Goes Dead. Yeah. And I was, I was blown away by it. I thought it was so rad. It's still probably one of my favorite episodes of the Eds. Because I, I don't know if they animated it in the city, but it was so stylized. And it was, it was so cool. Like, the colors are so obnoxious. And everything about it was fluid and unique. Like, I, um, it was such an original-looking show. Hold on. I think my family is coming home. I don't know. Heather? Yeah. Oh, we might have to cut this and move upstairs if I could. Is there any oh, way yeah. to like do a break? Yeah, I can. I can hit pause. Uh, as all right. So when we were talking, you went from the beers in the beach a couple days before. Then you went like, ah, I'll come in on Friday. Then you're there yeah. at AKA, <laughs> right? What's going on for the first day, man? Like, I, obviously, you're not going to remember, like, what you had for lunch or any of that crazy bullshit. But what was your first day being in an actual studio like this one? Like, the one you wanted to get onto when you started sending out your resumes and your portfolios and everything. What was it like? What was the thoughts going through your head? Um, it was a pretty wild day. I mean, I actually remember quite a bit of it. Like, it was uh, a bit intimidating. I'd heard so much about AK and what it was like. And it's sort of funny because, like, my very first day, I went uh, to the back where all the board artists were. And I didn't have a desk set up or anything. Like, nothing was put aside for me. So I didn't have any place to sit. So they told me, oh, I don't think Scotty's here. You can sit in his desk for a little bit. So I went to the corner, and it was, like, it was Joel, Jim, Woody, and Scotty. Like, this little four-pack of desks. And, like, those are all, like, 
you know, the senior artists and I mean, just your first day being not, not scared or anything, but you know, I, I went and sat in, in Scotty's desk, like Scotty wasn't there yet. So I had to sit there and all those other guys are sort of like turning and looking at me like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> I'm, I'm like trying to be cool and, you know, like putting my bag down and doing whatever. And then eventually Scotty showed up and Scotty just looks at me and he's like, who the fuck are you? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, well, I got to get out of here. Um, and then I didn't have a desk to sit at, like an, an like an actual animation desk because everyone sort of had one. So I just sat at a table um, with some pieces of paper and a pencil, like no light table, no electric <laughs> pencil sharpener, no nothing. And just started drawing whatever I, I had to work on. I mean, they, they did show me the one episode that Buck was then, like I was saying. And then <clears throat> the other thing is like, you know, this is uh, like 1999 and I had just my disc man with like a whole stack of punk CDs because that was like my thing. And the producer, Dan Seawee, like my first time meeting Dan, he comes up to my desk and just looks at all my punk CDs. He's like, flipping around, flipping around. and like, I can tell he's not impressed. And then he turns to me, he's like, who's your favorite punk band? Or like, who's your favorite band? And I was like, uh, it's like no effects. And he's like, I fucking hate that band. That was like the first time I'd met Dan. And he's such a music snob anyway. And it's just so funny. And I mean, AKA like all those types of people like had such a diverse taste in music uh, and music, like to get into it, it was such a big thing there. Mm -hmm. um, everyone, music was always on the stereo mm -hmm. and if it wasn't, which I quickly learned, Danny would just yell from his office, like, what is this place, a fucking morgue? And, like, people would <laughs> fucking, like, flock to the, uh, the stereo and try to scramble and, like, put something on to kill the dead silence. Mm -hmm. But it was funny, too, because, like, you had to put on something that Danny liked or else, like, he'd yell at you again. Oh, you'd get pissed off at like what the fuck is this playing or whatever it was super funny did you ever have but, a, what the fuck is this playing did you ever put in a cd that he just looked at you weird uh i didn't i actually i i have mixed cds which my wife is like what is this like because it says heavy prop meeting or like different prop meeting mixed like cds that i made yeah because i sort of figured well, hopefully Danny's in a good mood and like will approve more drawings if he likes the music that is playing right now. Because I mean, like a jumping head a bit, like for design, it, it started as like, you'd have a list of like, like I said, I was doing characters, props and effects. So I'd have my like list of characters, which was usually two pretty long pages of things to do and then props and then effects. So like, like I'd signed up for quite a bit here. This is a lot of work too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I have to go through all that. And then we would put our work in the folder and Jilly, the girl who told me that my drawings aren't good enough and I didn't think I was gonna get the job. She was the coordinator. So she would take the, our folder of drawings 
Um, and at first it was just me. Eventually they brought on this really awesome guy named Jack to, he was the background artist and then he eventually took some of the workload of the prop design. But we would give her the drawings. She'd take in this folder and she'd go off and she'd go into Danny's office. And like, we didn't really necessarily had to deal with Danny firsthand. She did. <laughs> but when she came back, we were always just sort of like, oh, well, hopefully it all got approved. And usually she'd come back laughing and just give you back a folder of drawings. Whatever you did wrong. And kind of, yeah, it was, it was sort of funny, but from eventually Danny wanted to meet with us directly. So we would have to go and sit in his office and, you know, he'd go through your drawings. And like, I mean, Danny's a pretty funny guy. Like, he'd just look at your drawing and then, like, just look at you and not say anything. A disappointed dad look. Well, he's like such a, I mean, there's such strong expressions and stuff. Like, it's like a Jack Nicholson type eyebrow raise. Like, it just yeah. like look at you and you're just sweating, going like, sometimes he'd tease you too. He'd like, because he had this stamp that would be, it would say, okay, by me. And he'd always take the stamp and he'd just like, like, ink it up just like da 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 da, -da. like how do you do some fucking stamping boys and whatever <laughs> and when he'd be looking at your drawing sometimes he'd just sort of be holding that stamp like teasing you like as if like am I gonna do it am I gonna do it like that type of thing <laughs> it was so it was so crazy and then when production was really going it became like because sometimes you'd have a prop meeting every like two days or whatever but then they really need to get things done so it got to a point where chuck and i were meeting with danny every day yeah which was relentless because <laughs> like he just whatever chew out your drawings and you go back to your desk and you have to you know lick your wounds and get back at it and show him stuff the next day like it was crazy what um was your so favorite posted note that he ever left you I've heard great posted notes. Uh, where did I put that? I mean, I, I'm trying to think like, I, I mean, I got some pretty bad ones, but just a second. Mine is like, it's a whole page. <laughs> like he drew, just I just, this is when Jilly like was really excited. And she came back and gave me this note, which says, don't just clean up the fucking board think design um which what danny's saying uh because design normally it's like you're designing new characters and stuff but for the eds like all the characters were pretty much established so what danny would call his designs would be like extra things like specific expressions specific poses if something needed to be done maybe just for color or whatever so that one that i just showed you like i you just just looked too much like the storyboard and he wanted me to push it um and he was always on my case about it and i and like the, obviously that note's super harsh it's funny but he's right fuck i should have been like i don't know should have pushed it a little bit. And after getting that one, I was like, okay, I got to come up with something really funny. But, you know, as an artist, you're not always just firing on all cylinders. Like, yeah. 
some days you have days where you just can't draw and you're just burnt out and whatever kicks in and yeah it's a it's a crazy grueling time but um to go back to the music thing about the meetings that we used to have when we got down to a point where we're meeting with Danny every day that's when these mixed CDs would come into play where we're like okay like let's get Danny to approve some stuff let's get him stoked we're gonna play music he likes maybe on Friday we're gonna take him out for beers get him a little liquored up get him happy get some stuff approved like we always just sort of had these plans to try to get things through but yeah it was it was funny so what I've gotten from almost every, not almost, every person that I've talked to that worked on this show, um, it's been a very, it's been the same answer, just, you know, spoken differently because each person is different, how they recollect things or how they remember things or how they tell things are completely different from one to the next. But what I've gotten from every single person when it comes to Danny and it comes to the crew that worked on this show, you guys were super fucking tight. I've heard some of the funniest stories, one in particular that I cannot share because Joel actually had me cut it out, but it involves a Comic-Con story that maybe one day when the entire world isn't so sensitive, we can tell that story. I know you know that story, Uh, but, uh, one thing I do like asking, keep this in mind, whatever you say, if you do say it, I'll cut it out if you want me to. I try not to, but I will if you need it. Um, I've heard from multiple people that the AKA Christmas parties were always yeah. fantastic. I heard a great one where all the guys dressed like John Travolta in, um, shit, what was it? Uh, what was the big disco movie Travolta was in? Uh, Siren Night Fever? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. So the Ed Boys dressed in white, um, tuck suits. So Matt, Tony, and Sam all came to it, and they were dressed in in the uh, the white suits that Travolta was wearing in uh, that movie. But when you think about just AKA in general, is there a specific memory or a specific time or just anything during that stretch of time that you guys were doing the show on that when you hear that term AKA or Ed Boys, that's the first thought that kind of pops into your mind. Do you have a a story or something that you went through that just like really hold and, you know, really cherish when you think about the Ed boys and AKA. Uh, I thought you were going to go in a different direction and start talking about if I had a crazy thing. Oh, no, no, no. Cause, cause like, like whenever I tell, I tell stories cause or I tell, you know, what I've heard, but I also go out there and like, I've heard some really, really bad stories that I've had to cut out. And I've heard some really, really good stories that I'm allowed to leave in just depending on that person. So do you have a, a story that you really look back fondly on when it comes to AK? And the only reason I was preloaded with, if it's bad and you, you know, decide that you want it cut out later, I'll cut it out. No problem. But is there a story that really comes to mind with AK and the Ed boys? Uh, I mean, I don't really know if there's a specific story. I think when AK is brought up it's just a time for me that um and i i talk about this quite a bit like with young artists is i it took me a long time to get good like yeah. I, I i started on season two of ed's the first show i worked on was rent and ed yeah it took me it took me a good three years i think until i started to notice my drawings improve and a lot of people talk about Danny pushing you which is true yeah but the thing about AKA is that it was also about the other artists Mm -hmm. that were there as a designer because I wasn't part of the board team or whatever but I could still reach out to those guys 
you know, like ask them a question and help me. And I, I try not to do that all the time because obviously they're super busy, but I mean, I would bug Jim and I would bug Scotty and whatnot. And like those guys were, and you know, not just guys, the AKA was not a boys club. It had an insanely amount of talented artists and a lot were girls. Like, I mean, you have Sabrina, you have Raven, you have Bonnie Reed, which as a designer, I mean, I got to see Bonnie color the characters and also Ginny was, she did the backgrounds and stuff. Like everyone was just so talented there that I feel like they, they just being surrounded by that amount of talent sort of pushed you to become a better artist. Like it was inspiring to be surrounded by so many amazing artists everywhere. Like you'd walk by their desks and be like, I have to step up the level of my game. Yeah. Like, and I, I feel like I owe a lot to that studio um, to sort of like get to where I am as an artist because it was like, you know, I went to, I went to college for a couple of years, which is great, but I really cut my teeth and I learned a lot from that crew. Yeah. At AK. And I'm really <clears throat> lucky because I mean, I still work with a lot of those guys. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I don't think I mentioned Sharan, but I, I work with Sharan. She's like, and not many people talk about her. She is so fucking talented. She's yeah. probably one of my favorite artists, like, and especially of that era. And I mean, yeah, she's great. I can't say enough about a lot of those guys. Uh, and I think too, is like, you know, we, like I worked there for close to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like that's a long time. Yeah. Like to think about high school being a five-year gap from grade eight to grade 10 mm -hmm. and high school sort of sucked you know like it was, whatever AK was twice as long with a lot cooler people yeah and a lot more talented people and it's like you're just surrounded by these like-minded artists and I think that you really develop there uh and I mean a lot of like I don't know it's just a crazy thing like I, like my friend Yuck like I remember when he had his baby like mm -hmm he's probably 20 years old now i don't know like so much time has gone by but a lot of those guys like we've been to each other's weddings we've seen each other have kids like we've all sort of grown and it was that one time uh which was a long time like you know 10 10 years there but i definitely look back and there's there's totally so many memories and there's so many stories too like it, it, i don't know when we were in the studio you couldn't go a week without bringing up Oh, I remember that time this happened at AKA? And like so many people are just fucking sick of hearing about AKA. <laughs> <laughs> but like the craziest stories came from there. Like it's unparalleled. There's nothing else really like it. Uh, that's that's the one thing that I got from everybody. Everybody says it is such a family oriented. It was it was crazy. You guys worked hard and you guys played harder, right? You guys brought and like I said, when you look at this show on paper, right? This show is different than any other show Cartoon Network was doing at that time. I mean, just from an an animation style, and I, I didn't know what the name of it was until I think I talked to Jono, but, <clears throat> and he brought it off as just passing. I never thought, because whenever I look at cartoons, I don't, I get nerdy, but I don't get like super, super nerdy into it. Like, 
oh, this is the technique they use for this, that, and the other. I like it because I like vegging out. I like being able to watch something, laugh, have a good time, share it with my son, and pass on, you know, cartoons. That's what I watch cartoons and shit for. But when I started talking to you guys, like, you guys have such an affinity for not only these characters, but how much you've grown from the time that you got to AKA until the time that you left. And even now with you guys continuing in your career, I mean, Joel, Scott, you, you yourself have said it, like this, this studio, AKA, set you guys up to work hard, right? To always be like, oh man, is that like, with, with Danny's notes, was that good enough? Or where's the heart? Where's the soul? Looks like you drew this with your ass. All those little things pushing you guys, right? At the end of the day, iron sharpens iron, right? So you guys were sitting in the same room with just a nothing, nothing, a nothing but another group of like just assassins when it came to storyboard artists and character design and prop design, voice acting, writing, and all this other shit. You guys had the perfect storm, right? And you guys pushed each other. And when you guys pushed each other and pushed each other, you guys made magic, right? People would kill for this. And like you said, 10 years is a long time, especially in your industry. And to be with somebody oh, yeah. for 10 years, right? The same people, you always, you'll obviously have people come and go type of thing. Um, but the core stayed intact the entire time from Danny on down, man. He, all he ever did was push excellence. That's all he ever demanded, which at the end of the day, when you, when you have a story, you want to be told, right. And you're trying to tell this story. It's your baby. I hear that term all the time talking to you guys. This was Danny's baby. Yeah. You protect that shit with your life, right? They tell you, you can do whatever you can say, whatever. If you have the option, I think you guys actually killed this, but in a good way, you guys went out and told your story. Well, Danny's story, but you guys told it your way. You didn't have very much influence on the outside. You guys had some here and there. It's like, Hey, you can't do this. You can't do that. And Danny would do this. And then, you know, he would go and do what he wanted to do. And then you made the pictures that he was making. And I got to feel like in that kind of environment, it breeds nothing but just, just fucking people at the top of the level that they could possibly be just putting it hour and hour and hour of nothing less than perfection has got to really, like I said, made you, into the stud you are when it comes to artists and shit or when it comes to animation, right? I mean, and I love hearing that because in, in, in every industry, really, you hear horror stories about like, oh, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, or I did this, this happened type of thing. But when I talk to you guys, it's all the same. It's all nothing but love. It's all nothing but mutual respect. You went to weddings, you saw people's kids being born, man. You guys were a family that wasn't blood related, but you guys came together on one commonality and that was Ed, Ed and Eddie, right? And yeah. to hear that that still exists and you guys still talk and you guys still interact and you guys still hang out when you can, it's fucking beautiful when you think about it. Cause I know people that I served with that I talk, I Facebook tells me it's their birthday. I say happy birthday. And that's essentially as much as I've talked to them and I talk to them again the next year, right? Which is bad you know you, you lose touch with some people but hearing that it is was such a family oriented you know business and, and family is that too strong of a word i gotta feel like for me looking outside it that's what it feels like uh i'd say like more dysfunctional family I guess. <laughs> well all families are dysfunctional some a little bit more than the others man um but like i said that's what's so fascinating like each person i talk to says the same thing like you guys are so tight you guys pushed each other i mean looking back now right do you think you get as far as you've gotten in your career if you don't have that job with AK? And I'm not saying that that's the only reason that you're successful, but I always like seeing what people think of like, if I don't do this, say you just slept in or you're like, fuck it, I'm not going to call those guys back. I got a headache and they go and hire somebody new. Do you ever yeah. think about shit like that? Or I know I would at least. Uh, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I think that obviously AK did work out for me. I mean, it was uh, it was a relentless place. As much as we are trying to write this love letter about the place, about being at all lovey-dovey in the family, it was a meat grinder. Yeah. There was a revolving door of artists that were chewed up and spit out. Not everyone has the best things to say about AK. Yeah. Like uh, there's quite a few people that are not a, a fan, but even like some of the people that I've worked with only for a season or however long, like I'm, I'm still really close with those guys. Yeah. Uh, it, it did really, really push me. And I mean, I don't know, it, it taught you a lot about work ethic and just how to approach your work because I, I feel like even now in storyboarding you can tell the guys who probably worked at AK because they would just sort of go above and beyond to make things like really good like I mean I've worked with a lot of board artists not all of them came from AK and some of them are just phenomenal but definitely I'm still working in contact with AKers and which something that we seem to do a lot in this podcast is just jump back and forth right now I'm just going to jump back to my first day because uh, I didn't quite finish the story about what happened because it was fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, you know, you have Scotty saying, who the fuck are you? And you have Dan making fun of my music taste and I don't have a desk and all these things are going wrong. And I met Danny and like, he's a wild guy and all this stuff. And then on my first day, I get a phone call. And it's from my old studio that they just got Angry Beaver scripts. They just came back. It's my first day on the job. And they want to haul me back. Mm -hmm. So I could have bailed. Yeah. And even though it was so chaotic and everything, I mean, I've never really been a guy to just bail on a contract. And I I just sort of had a weird feeling. I'm like, no, I'm going to tough this out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick around. So I turned them down. It would have been an easy out to go back and work on Angry Beavers, but I just, I knew something was, um, I just sort of had a feeling. And what do you think I, that feeling was? I don't know. I mean, for me, it was just, I could tell that, that the group there, they were just different. They were like a gang of misfits there. Yeah. Like everyone brought something else and, uh, Watching Pop Goes Dead was like just uh, sort of blew my mind a bit. I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is what I want to work on. I was always the cartoony guy. Like, I just always wanted to work on overly cartoony things. Mm -hmm. And that was the place you wanted to work if you wanted to work on the most insanely cartoony thing going in the city. Like, because... In the 90s, even when I was in uh, college, they really pushed Disney stuff down your throat and like nothing, not taking away anything from Disney and stuff like that. But it just really wasn't my style. Like, I mean, I just, I wasn't buying all of it. I loved Aladdin as a kid. I thought it was cool and fun and cartoony. Um, But then everything else, it's it's just like, I always gravitated toward the cartoony stuff. Like I want to, 
draw like Tex Avery stuff. I want to draw Bob Clampett stuff. I want to like all the classics, Chuck Jones, like I, Tom and Jerry, Troopy, like give me that stuff. Yeah. And then the Eds was just so chaotic and like wild. Like the gags that they did in that show. I don't know. I love the way they always just sort of defied logic. Like it was always that cartoony logic. Like you got a favorite character gag. shouldn't do this, but they're gonna like it just happened. Like do you, do you have a favorite gag? Speaking of gags, but uh, I don't really know. I don't know. Not off the top of my head. Um, It'll happen as soon as we get off this call. It'll come to you. You'll be sitting down. You'll be eating dinner with your wife, and you're like, "Shit." I should have said him falling down or, you know, something along those lines. It always happens. So. Yeah, no, I might have to come back to that one. Like the, whatever the, like the best gag. Oof. That's tough. <laughs> no, those ones, it's like those type of questions. And I've been peppering in questions here and there. Cause I got them written down on my board uh, or written down on my little, my little notepad stuff here. Um, but uh, I've been peppering in questions here and there. Um, but as we start to get towards the end of this episode, um, and I want to have you back on because there's a lot of stuff that we did not talk about um, that you were. I know. On. I feel that? like we got to my first day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> essentially, I mean, we can keep going for as long as you want to, but I know you got some family time and everything like that. So I don't want to, I, I don't ever like taking too much from people. I always like just, if, if you guys want to come back on, no problem. We can go as long as you want. We'll go to the wheels fucking fall off to me. I don't give a shit. We can do whatever you want to do, but just trying to encapsulate you guys, this entire career into like one episode is almost impossible, right? Because there's certain yeah. points that we hit and then you'll start thinking like, ah, oh, shit. I should have said this, 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 because that led to this, you know, it always happens, but like, it's, it's nice to, to say all this stuff to you guys. And it starts bringing up like, oh man, I remember when this happened or my first day, it was all this crazy shit going on. Um, but when I told you Adam's family was the last movie, I went and seen a movie theater before it shut down and movie theaters didn't happen anymore. Um, but, uh, how did you get on to both Sausage Party and Adam's Family? Because it seemed like there was a couple of you guys that worked at AKA that worked on both Sausage Party. I don't, did Scott work on Adam's Family as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Scott was on the first one. I mean, he's, he did some of the raddest stuff. The yeah. cool thing about storyboards is like, you do so many versions of things that never get seen, you know, like, on the first Adams family, I worked on this section for like three months and then Christmas hit and I was like, oh yeah, that's out, you know, just gone. And then it just happens too. Like uh, movies are a bit different that way. But for Sausage Party, there was um, another guy we don't talk about too much. It was Todd DeMong okay. who had worked on uh, The Eds, I think. Maybe just one season. I know we did the Ed Sid Still, which was such a great episode um, with the monster and everything. But Todd's a phenomenal board artist. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, man, he's like one of the best. Like even, and everyone talks about Scotty being like the best and Scotty is just hilarious. He's so talented, but Todd's given Scotty a run for his money. Like there's times where Scotty's like, holy shit, like Todd is good. Like he is, he's, <laughs> unreal and as for sausage party it was uh todd and scotty were there and then there's this other phenomenal guy named kenny park and another guy johnny castiano 
and there was an opening for sausage party. And at the time I was working on My Little Pony, like, cause I was just sort of getting into storyboards and I'd only been doing boards for about two years. So I was pretty green, yeah. like, and to make the jump from TV to feature was crazy. And like when sausage party was happening, it was like, I was just about to get married. It was this insane time. Like, I remember I applied for Sausage Party. Uh, I went in for like the interview and stuff. And I, I got hired more as a junior artist on the movie. Um, but it was like, you know, a dream movie, like just to work on this movie with those guys and yeah. this script written by Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and was super funny and it was like just so crude and it was I don't, I don't know it was it was nuts I mean I had to go for it and I did get the job I remember being a bit hesitant because I was like man my like weddings in three weeks like I got a lot of shit to do <laughs> and it, yeah it was nuts and sausage party was a lot of fun I mean I, I'd only worked on that for about four months I mean we did the first pass of the movie and then from there they sort of put it up and we're like we gotta change this 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 and this and this and like just so much of it was different you know after i had worked on it but working on that movie was super rad that like i mean i was just pushed in the deep end i was uh such a young board artist and those guys were fucking so good some of the best some of the best in the city uh, absolutely unreal but it was a lot of fun um yeah, like there was a day, I don't know, I don't even know how many people have talked about this. Uh, I mean, a lot of my stuff did get cut, but we did have this one day because there's the orgy scene at the end of Sausage Party. Yeah. And obviously that raised a few eyebrows, but they had to be like, well, we got to throw in a few red herrings because this, there's an orgy going on. Like these <laughs> hot dogs are fucking each other and, you know. <laughs> We got to somehow take the attention away from that. So the board team had to come up with red herrings. Like we had to come up with something to divert your attention to be like, well, that that character can't be pissing in that other character's mouth. That's crazy. We got to cut that. <laughs> Just to have it be like, you know, forget about this orgy happening. The orgy's okay, but all this other stuff you guys are doing. So each board artist is trying to one up everyone else and. <laughs> Some of the most insane gags were happening. And yeah, I was, we, uh, that one day, Todd came into the room. He's like, okay, guys, we got to come up with the craziest stuff we can. And all of us just got to our desk and we're so excited. And we're just drawing away, trying to like outdo the next guy. And he sat there. He's like, you guys have never been so quiet. Like you guys are just working so hard. I think this is the hardest you've ever worked. And it was one of those days where it was like, I can't believe we're getting paid to do this. Yeah. And there's actually a video of uh, Scott. I think Scotty had to pitch it because when you pitch sausage, you went to this theater where like, you know, execs and everyone was and the board artists would have to go down and go up to the big screen and flip through all your panels. But then you'd have to pitch it. So you'd have to like act out like whatever the dialogue was <laughs> and really sell it like pitch it in a way you got to hit the time and you got to make it funny and it was it was so nerve-wracking 
walking into a room and sometimes Seth would be there and you're like, Oh, Hey Seth. Yeah. So I'm just going to pitch this uh, section here and I could barely move. I was so nervous, but Scotty had to pitch the red herrings, like all this extra sex stuff going on. And I think there was a video on Facebook of Seth and Evan just laughing, like hysterically, like crying, like Scott, you could barely hear Scotty. People were laughing so hard. (laughs) It, It was rad. It was super funny. Do you know if those boards got into the movie? Oh, no. Oh, actually, I don't know. Maybe some of that. I'm, it's been a while since I watched that whole thing. But I mean, we just did some really crazy stuff. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, when you're in college and everyone has like some strawberry shortcake or just these terms for like crazy sex acts and yeah, like stuff you never really do. But you're like, I don't know. We were like looking up those types of things. Like, what can we do? Like we had to one up because we had like do whatever section and pitch it to the other guy and everyone would be like, oh, like whatever got the biggest reaction usually stayed. Um, but yeah, it, that was a crazy time. Was, and, that, was that room a lot like AK in a sense that you guys were all pushing each other? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it totally was. I think that sort of carried on. And I, like, I, I've been really lucky that, uh, since AKA, like, I mean, I was never a board artist at AKA. I always sort of wanted to be, but I could never really get out of my design role. Um, and I did some revisions and stuff, but even though I wasn't a board artist, I still would take in what they were doing because those guys would pitch their boards you know, like put up all their thumbnails and everyone would gather around and usually someone would get a case of beer and everyone was in on it and they'd pitch their storyboard. So I feel like I sort of absorbed a bit of that, of like what they were doing um, as to term to like, in terms of like they're pitching everything. Like, I mean, I saw their boards, the AKA boards are insanely detailed. They're so good. And they had to be spelled out because they were animated at Yason, which the crew there is, they're just so talented. You can't say enough about Yason. And I hope people have mentioned them a lot because I think on Instagram, people wonder why I like the animation so good. And a lot of it has to do with that studio because the animation that they did was, it was awesome. Do you know how to spell that studio? It's Y-E-S-O-N. Okay. I'll make sure I do some research and try to get some of those guys on here too. Um, but oh, fuck, I had, a, I had a point on there too. Um, it was about uh, just sausage. Po- oh, now, now I remember. Excuse me. So, you know, flipping back. Uh, and I hope, I hope flipping back and forth you know, isn't, isn't too crazy for you. Cause like I said, I try to get as much as we I'm okay can. with it. I just like, okay. whoever's listening to this thing is probably like, what? no, I, I think like, cause I don't try to keep this like a standard timeline of, you know, you started here, you started there. Cause there's always stories that come up in between like, oh man, I was just, you know, going to the beach, getting drunk. And then AK called me and I was like, oh man, I wonder what his first day was like. And then we go back to you going to that. And then we like, oh, that, that's going to pull off a story. So I, I don't really keep it like a, a dead set journalistic interview. I, I, I don't like to keep it like that. It just, this seems more organic, even though we are going from, you know, here to here, I'm trying to hit like all of these points because 
there are fans out there like me that, that love all of your work. And if they're just tuning in, it's like, oh man, it's just, he's just going to talk about Ed, Ed and Eddie. Then I kind of pigeonhole myself as well as you. Cause I try to, like I said, I just try to get as much information from everything that you guys have really did. And that's why I say, I talk about your life, your career. And <clears throat> I had this uh, one guy on, he's talking about, he got a haircut one time and the guy that was cutting his hair had an eye patch. Right. And we talked roughly 15 minutes about the guy with the eye patch that was cutting his hair. I'm like, were you nervous? Were you worried? He's like, no, why, why should it be? I'm like, well, he's got one eye, man. And he's cutting your hair with scissors. Um, I would want, you know, my barber to make sure he was on point. Cause if he had one drink that night, his vision's blurry and he's only got one eyeball dude. And he was like, Oh shit. I never thought about it that way. Um, you know, I haven't released that episode yet, but like, like I said, when stories come up, I like to kind of chase them out because it's, it's like fun, you know, organic conversation, just sitting here shooting the shit, talking about the stuff you did me being yeah. a fan and appreciating it. So, you know, it does seem like it's jumping all over the place, but I hope most people will get it. Right. So oh, no, it doesn't matter to me. I feel like there's been a couple of times where I'm like, oh, I feel like I have a story there, but we didn't get back to it, but whatever. <laughs> I, like even the gag thing i'm still thinking like what the, what was my favorite gag god why is this so hard oh because no, because a lot of them are so fucking great and one question that i want to ask before i get into just nothing but the fan questions was uh when you started out doing prop and character design and then you said you were a super young artist storyboard artist on the uh, uh sausage party yeah you know obviously you have different muscle flexes and different muscle memories, excuse me, for specific tasks. You know, you'll probably have, you know, a certain set of skills for storyboarding, a certain set of skills for character design. When at the end of the day, when you've, you've sat there and you've seen both sides, both character development and design and storyboarding, do you get the same kind of gratification from both of them or is the gratification different for each task you do? Uh, I'd say it's a bit different. I mean, for me, it's sort of funny because I never wanted to be a designer. It just sort of happened. Like, yeah. uh, like in college, like I said, I wanted to be a, an animator. So even though I'm not an animator now, I'm a storyboard artist, but sometimes I get a little carried away and like almost animate whatever character I'm boarding out. Like it's pretty fleshed out and it's a lot of fun, I think. I'm really happy to be a board artist right now. Uh, I, I did enjoy designing at AK. I did enjoy the Eds, but shortly after that, I knew I had to change. I was just like, I can't do this. Uh, and I'm 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 stoked to be uh, on a story team. I love it. I love getting my hands dirty. I love working with the team. I love bouncing ideas off of each other and just spitballing and coming up with stuff and. I think that right now I'm at this place where I'm so lucky to work with such a talented team. And whenever I see their work, I'm like, wow, like, again, I got to fire my game. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've mentioned Shran too, but every time I see her stuff, I'm just like, oh. and it's too bad too. Cause like, you know, like these people that I'm mentioning, like they don't really post their work on social media or whatever. Like, Shran um, doesn't have I don't think she has many of her storyboards and stuff but just just such great stuff and even Scotty like Scotty's Instagram is great yes. his drawings are fantastic but it doesn't even showcase what he's capable of because his boards and the way he presents boards is like 
it's unreal. Like yeah. as a board artist, and you go into a room and you each pitch your section, uh, you don't want to follow Scotty. Like <laughs> he just has everyone laughing so hard. And there's a lot of really, really talented people. I feel really lucky to work with uh, all of them. Another really guy, good guy that I don't even think has been mentioned today was Meat Stick. Meat Ooh. Stick, huh? Well, his name's Steve Garcia. I thought we were going to talk a bit more about nicknames. I was trying not to say fuck, but then I did like. You could say as many fucks as you want. I was expect because when he's like, oh man, he's like, I think the first question he asked me is like, is it for kids or, you know, can I cuss? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you can say whatever you want as long as you're okay with, you know, whatever you say. And he's like, yeah, he's like, that's how my, that's how I got the nickname F and Toomey. And it's funny because when, I, as soon as I told Jono, I was like, you're coming on. The first thing I think I sent you a picture of, he's like, F and yeah. fucking Toomey. <laughs> That's the first thing you said, so. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that all stemmed from AKA is, like, like, no one really calls me Corey. Everyone calls me Toomey. Yeah. Um, but at AKA, it sort of became this fucking Toomey thing, um, <laughs> which I don't even, like, know, like, where it started. It was just more of a, they would come up to me and be like, hey, fucking Toomey, are you going to go to the Bad Religion show and drink some beers or whatever? And it just sort of festered from that but now it's like it still happens and guys like woody which you should really try to get woody on the show he will like if i see woody it's like he'll be two blocks away and he'll just yell out like hey fucking dude like just so loud <laughs> and i gay like i mean not just the fucking Jimmy thing but like no one called me Corey. uh i had like people phoning and then like the receptionist pick up and then like it'd be my stepdad or whatever and he'd be like hey is Corey there and she's like who like they no one knew my name <laughs> was Corey. But. so who gave you who gave you fucking to me uh i don't know i mean i want to say scotty or woody i'm not that positive i'll have to plug those guys okay but it still is around i mean when i started my instagram my first one, I was just going to call it fucking to me. I, like, I should probably soften the blow a little bit. <laughs> Bury the lead. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, what was, uh, so you, you obviously had Big Jim and you were talking nicknames earlier because you, you said I was, I don't, I didn't want to say fuck as much, but were there any nicknames that most people don't know or what were some of the nicknames for some of the other guys if they had some? Well, Meat Stick was he got that nickname before he came to AK and then there was, I mean, Woody's, I mean, it's, it's James Wooten, his last name. Like, it's just a play off of that. Um, there's Big Jim, there's Ducky. I don't know if anyone's talked about Ducky before, but like, I don't think so. I mean, like, I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm like 6'4", but Ducky is like, I don't know, seven something. Like, he's insanely tall. And again, another really talented guy, but he got the nickname just because he had to duck under doorways. <laughs> the guy was trying not to smash his gourd on a fucking doorway. <laughs> the guy's nickname is stuck with him. You well, know, like everyone calls him Ducky. But yeah, I mean, Scotty, I just call Scotty or Underwood. Uh, Joel D. Tran, actually. Tran's the sheriff. Um <laughs> Sabrina, we just usually call Sabri. 
Uh, I'm trying to think who else is there. No, I'll have to think on that. So what Mike, just trying to like, like what? the guy Todd, like Todd DeMong, I just call Todd DeMong. I'll never address him as just Todd. It's like his full name all the time. So how did, uh, how did she get the name Sheriff? Do you remember? I don't know. I think it's just a playoff Sharan. Okay. There's this other guy named Cuddly Cupcakes. There was, uh, <laughs> there's like a lot of guys at AK that just didn't, they weren't around that long. Like this weirdy weird skins guy and uh, weirdy weird skins. <laughs> there was a lot of nicknames. Like a lot were just sort of handed out. There's this guy, Brown Pencil, which is named Steve. And like Brown Pencil sort of funny because like, Later on, I think someone called him Brown Pencil. And he's like, oh, that's actually not my nickname anymore. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if you're illegally just allowed to change your nickname. Like, it's given to you. It's Yeah, once it, it's funny you say that. Because going through high school, you remember those uh, Geico commercials with the cavemen? Did you guys mm-hmm. get those up in Canada? Okay. So I had really, really long hair. And I had more facial hair. Not more facial hair in a sense that... I had a fuller beard. It was like super Billy goat here and Billy goat here. It just looked like shit. It looked like the whitest trash. Like I came from a trailer beard that I've ever had. It was just super patchy and it's kind of patchy on the sides now, but it was a lot worse when I was, you know, teenager and shit like that. It just looked like I had hair glued to my face and stuff. And those Geico commercials with the cavemen were really, really big. And like I said, I had really long red hair. So they would call me caveman just because I looked like one of the cavemen on Geico. And I'm like, Oh man, it's a cool nickname. He's like, no, no, we're telling you that because cavemen are dumb and you're kind of dumb too. And I'm like, Oh, that hurts a lot more. Damn. And then it just, it stuck. So it was either cave or caveman. And then uh, I've only given, been given two nicknames, caveman being one. And my mom gave me one when I was younger. Uh, I don't know how she, I don't have to ask her because she's coming over. I'm going to cook her dinner tonight. Um, but, uh, she, she used to call me Pooh for Winnie the Pooh. So Winnie the Pooh was real big. So when my friends heard me or heard my mom call me Pooh, man, it was like open fucking season on me, dude. Every day in class. They're like, Hey, come on, Pooh. They're like, who's Pooh? They're like, ah, oh, that's Julian's mom's nickname for him. And they would just be like, ah, oh, God damn it. I hate this. Um, so I always like hearing how people meat stick was probably my favorite one and brown pencil is fantastic those two nicknames yeah, brown pencil might not want to announce that brown pencil is still a thing right now um we're gonna bring but, it back yeah, bring it back uh we could bring it back on a t-shirt and speaking of t-shirts man i don't know how it's waited this long to talk about it but you are doing some t-shirts for your for your page on instagram destroyers of sleep you want to talk about that a little bit before we get into the fan questions yeah, I mean, Destroyers is just something that Heather and I, like my wife Heather, that we started. Um, and it's just a t-shirt company, literally an idea that we were like laying around when my um, my son was pretty young at the time. And it's like when you're a new parent, you just don't get any sleep. Like, yeah. I mean, it, that's a crazy time. I remember just falling asleep on the floor. I was just so tired. Um, and we just sort of threw around the idea like of starting a t-shirt company. Um, and I was thinking, I was trying to come up with a cool name for it. And it was either going to be Sleep Destroyers or Destroyers of Sleep, which I just felt Destroyers of Sleep is better. Dude, and it almost sounds like more of a, a metal band than a yeah. 
kid's brand, like whatever brand name, like, and uh, yeah, no, we just, I just tried to keep it cartoony. Like I, so far I've designed everything on my own. I try to um, keep everything hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. I sort of wanted it to almost be like a cast of characters, like, like Looney Tunes or whatever. Like, yeah. so I have like Gator Dude and all these other guys and I wanted to develop uh, like a look for the brand, but also like something that um, kids would be stoked on drawing, like yeah. to pick up and be like, I want to draw Gator Dude. And then from there, we sort of, I really wanted to push the idea of learning how to draw and like uh, on their Instagram, we'll have like drawing tips and I'll have model sheets and stuff. Like we've done a few shows like with our our t-shirts and like we'll have like our shirts in the back Mm -hmm. but then in the front you know we have stickers and whatever but I also like just have like model sheets and like how to draw gator dudes like how to draw a guy like I really want to push that and I think with Instagram it's been pretty cool because it's not just you know product shots of your shirts like I but then it's just covered with drawings and stuff and I mean I've, I've been out to punk rock shows and I've had friends come up to me and just say hey like you know my daughter was super stoked on drawing gator dude like she saw that thing you did and she sat down and she started drawing them. and then she drew one and she wasn't that, that happy so she drew another one and, I mean feel to, really good that's yeah to me I'm like that's that's the raddest part about it yeah and like we've done like sort of like destroyer of the month contest where we try to encourage kids to draw and like sometimes we'll get submissions from like Australia or whatever of like uh, the kids' drawings of our characters, and it's been really, really cool. I mean, last year was pretty hard because of uh, the pandemic, and like no one wants to buy a fucking t-shirt that costs twenty-five dollars or whatever. But we're just such a small little company right now, and like we just can't, we can't produce shirts at a low cost because yeah, we're only doing small runs, and for me, it, it's it's tough because I'm an artist and I don't want to just pump out some whatever garbage, like some cheap printing on a cheap shirt. So like things are going to cost a lot. Even this year, things are going to cost more, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been pretty fun. Um, And yeah, definitely go check it out and pick up a shirt or two or whatever. We do have some new things coming out in the spring and we have a, we're actually doing a punk rock record that's coming out, I think, in a month or two. I don't know how much I can say about that. It's just a, a record, but it, it, the, and it, it, the cool thing about COVID, not that there's much that's <laughs> fucking cool about COVID, but like what you were saying, like how you and your wife just got into working on your house, or you just sort of like picked up different things. Like it's been an awful year. There's yeah. no way around it, but some, <clears throat> cool things have happened like for destroyers i reached out to this guy this artist i like um i asked him to do a little jingle for us and next thing you know it's starting to turn into like oh like let's put this out on vinyl like let's make a record like i'm like as much as i like cartoons i probably like punk rock more i love punk rock i love punk rock records my whole office is like filled with vinyl like and i was so stoked to to put out an actual record like that's what's coming up like for me i'm i'm so stoked 
Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we're doing things a bit different, you know, like, uh, a lot of kids closing. That's sort of one of the reasons that we started. It was like, we just weren't that into some of the stuff out there and just wanted to make our own. Like I was like, Oh, we make cartoony shirts. I feel like even the shirts that we make go back, not, uh, just on like, you know, 1930s, 1940s animation style, but also the Jim Phillips and like the, Santa Cruz and the 80s skateboard vibe like that's all sort of in there with uh, this little company that you started I mean it's so teeny tiny but I'm I'm pretty stoked on it so if, if I know anything and like I said we've just talked or we just met you know face to face this time and I'd say met in air quotes because it's you know it's over over the uh, internet and shit um, but we've been talking quite a bit these last few weeks and if I if I know anything, man, when somebody catches on, because there's one thing I absolutely love, and it's when I get to talk to people that are like you, they're super passionate about what they do, that don't just want to put shit out just to put shit out, because you feel that in the artwork. That's why I think, you know, and we're going to do that flip-flop thing here for just a second, but that's why I think Ed, Ed, and Eddie has stood the test of time, because what you guys were doing at that point in time was what you guys wanted to do. You guys put your heart, your soul, your blood, your sweat, and your tears into that show. And I have no doubt in my mind that, that you're going to take that same kind of passion, that same kind of energy, and that same kind of positivity, right? Getting these kids to draw, putting something up that kids not only want to wear, adults want to wear, but they also want to figure out how to draw it. I've got a kid now that's 11 years old that, that's picking up a pen and paper and I, or a pen and pencil, and I absolutely fucking love it. He'll go on, <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize. Uh, he'll go on YouTube and he'll find, you know, somebody drawing something yeah. and draws along with it. Right. Uh, I, I fucking love it because I was at his age, maybe a little bit younger, too, when I started doing that. I obviously didn't have yeah. YouTube back in the day, but I wanted to draw. Right. And it's I love seeing that. And the fact that you're putting it out there for kids to do is fucking fantastic because not a lot of people are doing that. You, you can draw whatever. And then you're also having submissions come in and it might make it on a T-shirt, which is fucking cool as hell. Right. So I have no doubt that this T-shirt company is going to go from small to really, really big, really, really quickly. <laughs> like I said, with your passion, your positivity, and everything that you're pouring into this, I can't wait. Like I said, I was kind of not upset, but I was kind of bummed that the what was what was his name? Uh, it was the frog soup and the ju sipping the juice on the pink shirt. I I don't know what it was. I think it maybe might have been the color scheme. It was just how clean, like you said, with your lines, how clean everything was. But there was something about that T-shirt. When I was scrolling by, I was like, "What the fuck was that?" So I scrolled back, and it took me a little bit to find it. And I'm like, "Oh shit." this is dope. And then I see that it's you. And I'm like, Oh shit, he did this. So I message him like, Hey man, I'm going to buy four of these one for me, one for my wife, one for my son. And then one for my infant son. You're like, nah, man, we're only doing that. And little kids I'm like, God damn it. All the little kids get all the cool shit and all the adults don't get shit. <laughs> but, but like I said, I got super, super pumped to see what you were doing. And then there's another Instagram page that you have. It's called Don of the Eds that I absolutely love because you're consistently posting just Ed boys related shit. And there's just one thing I can never get enough of. And it's, and it's the Ed boys, but can you talk about that website just a little bit or that Instagram page just a little bit so people that don't know it can go ahead and follow it as soon as they see this episode? Yeah, I mean, Don of Ed's like, uh, when you said post consistently, like there has been gaps where I just, I didn't. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, for me, I started Don of Ed's just because, um, I mean, when I, I started my first Instagram account, which I've since deleted. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a really popular uh, 
Instagram with like 11,000 followers or something crazy. And then, I mean, I just have like a love hate relationship with social media and I was getting pretty fed up with it. And then, uh, when I had my daughter just became a thing of why the fuck am I looking at my phone and my daughter just fell down. I don't know what happened. And I, I was so sick of it and I scrapped everything, but Don and Ed stayed. I've had a bunch of Instagram accounts that have like, have been gone. Um, but Don and Ed's was always just all Ed stuff because my other account, I'd post a bit of Ed stuff. Like, I mean, I, I have folders and folders of drawings back here. I got tons of stuff, right? And I just thought it'd be, what's that? Have you thought about, because there's a few of you animators that have just stacks and stacks and stacks of shit that you guys worked on. And whenever I say shit, I don't mean shit like it's shit. I mean, just you guys have a bunch of stuff that you guys have saved on from your career and stuff. But have you thought about like cataloging that? And I don't know how you could do it as far as like a museum goes. So you see a whole bunch of different stuff, but I'm sure you've got some stuff in there that people would just absolutely love to see. And I don't know how you could really do it. So as that thought came up, like you and a bunch of the other animators that have saved stuff from the Ed Boys, have you thought about, you know, cataloging and putting it up there for everybody to see? Uh, I mean, I haven't like mainly because for me, um, I have a lot of drawings that are the rough version. Mm -hmm. When I work on the ads, it's like, sometimes I draw, I think up to 30 times yeah. was the most I've ever drawn. But you have multiple versions. And then when Danny finally stamped down the stamp of approval, you'd go and you'd clean that one up. Mm -hmm. And that drawing, the clean one would go and be inked. So there's multiple versions of drawing. So I was sort of lucky that I would always sort of put aside some of the rough drawings that I liked. For the board artists, I don't really know if they have their hands on all their boards and stuff. Because, I mean, it was a combined effort. I, mean, I, I have no idea where the where the boards are. But uh, Dawn of the Eds is probably the closest thing you're going to get to everything I have. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't even know, I thought I'd maybe do 50 to 100 posts. I think it's at 500. Yeah. And it's not all my work. If it's ever someone else, I'll obviously give them credit. Because I've posted Scotty drawings um, on the Halloween special. Eric Piggers did all the, the amazing monster designs. And yeah. I mean, I reached out to him and he signed off. Uh, Kathy Boak, another super talented artist she did all the the paintings and stuff that you you'd see in the intro like the title cards those and are I, so phenomenal they're so good yeah. they're so good um probably the best yeah. in the game. so when it comes to any kind of episode cards best in the game in my opinion yeah and that's kathy book that's a artist that i don't know if she gets enough credit uh and it's like i was saying like you know there's just such a um variety of talent at that studio but for Don and the Eds I'd always reach out to like I asked Kathy can I post this and she'd say yeah she said no there's no way I'd ever post it yeah um but I think a majority of it is just drawings I have kicking around I'm sort of getting to that point now where like I'm I think I've posted my best drawings and I don't know if I want to post many more because I don't think they're that good like 
I have a, I have a lot. Like I have a box of stuff just in storage downstairs that I I would never post that drawing. Like I'll just give you my address and you can send it on down, man. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just ship you a box. Hey, that'll um, But yeah, I mean, I do post stuff here and there. I just uh, for me, it was just an outlet to sort of divert all my attention to Ed's stuff, and I just made that Dawn of the Eds and. Uh, yeah, of all the other accounts I've deleted on Instagram, that's not one that I did. So, well, I'm it's glad still you up did. there. I'm glad you didn't, man. Because, like I said, I really like. There's something interesting about seeing you guys take this, put it to this, and you make something out of it, right? It's it's a point in time that's like a picture, right? If I were to take a picture of this right now, it's a specific point in time and place, right? That was the past. It's going to sound like it's really weird and shit, but you guys put a pencil to paper, right? You guys did something. It's crazy to think like, man, I wonder what Corey was thinking. I wonder what fucking Scott was thinking. I wonder, you know, what, not, not essentially like what they had for lunch that day, but you're, you're trying to think like, man, if life imitates art, what were they feeling to put something into? Like, I think Scott said at one time, like the, the hardest thing he was drawing um, was Kevin's bike. Like he hated drawing Kevin's bike because he just for some reason every time it came out different he said i can't remember what he said but he just said he's like i fucking hated that bike man and uh you know but it's just going and thinking like this is a picture of something that you guys did at one specific point in time like what was going through your heads when you were doing this was were you using that as fuel were you trying to like escape while you were doing that trying to get rid of those thoughts just for a little bit so you could do your work so i love seeing when when artists post their art especially if it's good bad or indifferent if it's perfect if it's screen used, ready to use and all that other type of shit. I like seeing that, but I like seeing where the rough stuff comes in because that's where you guys have to start. Everybody's got yeah. benchmarks and all this other shit. And then eventually it gets to that perfection, that, 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 that end piece. But I like seeing the, just the different varieties of what you guys do, man. So I'm so glad that that, that Instagram page was one of the ones that, that did, that did make the cut and it was still around and it's still around now. It's a fantastic uh, Instagram page. So go ahead and follow it. Um, and I think we've kind of hit like all the points as far as like what you're what you're working on, what you, and what you're allowed to talk about and stuff. And this is where the part where we enter into the fan questions, right? So mm -hmm. one of the ones that that uh, got asked, and uh, I brought Scott up for that reason. What was the hardest thing for you to draw? Not specifically just during the Ed show, even though it is a primarily Ed show that we're talking about here. But what, what was some of the hardest things you had to draw in the Ed Boys? But was also some of the things that just really fucked you up, you know, throughout your career? Was it a hand pose? Was it a figure? You know, what really was hard for you? Uh, on the Eds, I think I'm trying to think of a couple of clunkers that I always had a hard time with. I know there's one with like Jimmy drinking a ketchup bottle and I, I just couldn't get it even though I love drawing Jimmy like Jimmy was one of my go-to guys I really enjoyed him I, I could never get it but uh and I, I I have folders of like these drawings that I have 15 versions of and I just couldn't nail it down but I think generally I thought that Eddie's brother which was one of the rare designs on the show that was a new character that I had to do and it was all up to me. It was like when Eric did the, the monster stuff for the Halloween episode. And it was pretty hard to get Eddie's brother because they had built him up to be this 
massive character, you know? So that was a bit of a tough one. I actually posted some stuff and I, I, I can show you stuff okay. for Eddie's brother, like yeah, right now. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. But uh, yeah, I'll show you that. But the Eddie's brother was definitely, um, definitely tricky, even though I actually thought it would be harder. I thought that I was like, oh God, this thing's going to take me three months to do. I think I got it. I think I got it in like two weeks or something like that. But actually, um, one of the hardest things to do was the monster designs from the Halloween episode that Eric Piggers did. And they were great. The hardest one was Sarah's a vampire. Yeah. I just, I couldn't get it. There was a few poses of her screaming. And the way that Piggers drew it was so perfect. And he just did sort of a standing pose of them. And I just, I couldn't get it. Like, no one could get it. He has such a specific style. Yeah. And to try to replicate someone's style isn't always the easiest. And that was that was really tough. Yeah. That was one of the hardest ones, I think. Hands down. was Sarah's a vampire. Like, the Frankenplank, super rad to draw. Rolf, that was rad. Kevin, like, the... Um, Headless Horseman. That was rad. Like Jimmy was rad. Sarah's a vampire. Super hard. So hard. We got we got that one in. So uh, this one isn't so much of a question, but I'm, you already answered this one. Uh, your friend, really big, cool, wanted me to make sure I brought this up. I'm really curious to hear more Toomey's side projects from back in the day called Panties, as well as his devastating loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL 94 from the same era. So you don't have to really answer that because you answered that on Instagram, but I'm pretty sure your friend, really big, cool, wanted me to get that. Well, I mean, I won't. I've already answered those, but really big, cool is uh, one of my best friends from high school. Yeah. A guy that, uh, I mean, his name's Steve Cousins. He's, you know, we had, we'd just terrorize our class together. He's a rad guy. And it's funny, like that as much as the same art teacher has given me the gears about cartoons will get you nowhere. Like, I mean, I sort of went off and I've been doing this for 23 years now. And I think since then, as much as I've ragged on my art teacher, um, like after that, he he would talk about me like he'd be like oh well you know Corey's working in animation he's working on these cartoons and stuff and tell the younger classes that and, uh, that's cool man yeah. even, even out of something bad something good came from it because it, everybody needs some kind of I don't want to say extenuating circus but everybody needs something to kind of like strive for right I got here yeah. because they said I couldn't I did this because they told me I wasn't able to you know so you got all these like these these hurdles you guys, I guess you got to kind of jump and it kind of propels you forward. So even though at that point in time that, you know, oh man, what he was saying was probably like a dick, you know, dick thing to say, like, man, he, I, I use that as motivation or I use that as, you know, a propellant to go this far, you know? So in the end, it might've felt like, you know, oh, this guy's shitting on my dreams. But at the end of the day, man, like I said, he gave you the motivation to, to do. Oh, he totally did. Yeah. He totally did. I was just like, I mean, I'm just this, stubborn punk rock kid who's like i'm gonna prove this guy wrong and like bringing up my buddy steve really big cool he's another guy that uh i mean he's super talented he's this great designer he went on 
went to work for whatever advertising agencies. He's done so much cool stuff from Xbox to CCM hockey sticks. Yeah. He, I, like, just out of high school, that guy, like, designed this very iconic West Beach logo for a snowboarding company up in Canada. Like, I mean, I don't even know. He was so young. And he, like, I mean, I went off into cartoons and my buddy Steve just went off into graphic design. So those are, like, me and him have been friends since high school and I'm still pretty close with him, even though he lives in Portland now. But yeah, well, he's great. That's cool, man. It's always nice to see people still sticking together after so long, man. Um, Cause it's, it's for sure easier as you get older to grow apart and grow further, you know, distance. So it's nice to see that, you know, people still have friends from such a long time ago. Um, one of my favorite things to ask, and I'm so glad a fan asked this one is who was your least favorite character to work with on the Ed boys? Uh, yeah, I sort of knew this one was coming. Um, well, if we don't want to say least favorite character, who, who we obviously said Sarah was difficult um, as the vampire, but what was, you know, a difficult character? If you don't want to go worst one, because that's always, you know, just bearing lead and saying, oh, man, this I character. feel like with worst one, if you're like my least favorite character was, let's just say Rolf, or let's just say anyone, like someone is going to be super pissed. Like, it's, I know Naz is always sort of the one that people want you to say is like, oh, that's the one everybody goes to generally. A lot of the writers went to Naz because they were just saying it's like, ah, oh, she's just just Naz. I mean, I've got Aaron Fitzgerald coming on uh, in a couple of weeks. So but I thought Naz was great. Like, I think that they really nailed it uh, with with that character, because I think if you go back to being a young kid and like you have a crush on a girl and you really don't know why and like because it's like Nez like it's not like this crazy amount of substance like, but she just always sort of made the boys like, just melt like like girls yeah exactly exactly what boys do yep. exactly what kids do and I think that they really hit that on the head um I was gonna mention this too like now that we're just talking about Naz but uh someone on Instagram asked like if there's any premises or episodes that didn't make it mm -hmm. because season six sort of blurred into the movie or whatever. But um, there was a point at AK when Danny and the writers were sort of looking for just premise ideas mm -hmm. when the kids were in school. And that was the cool thing about AK is like anyone could like offer an idea. Yeah. Even during the storyboard pitch, if the receptionist said, oh, I think this should happen, then, you know, you're going to listen to what she has to say. And then eventually it came to, for writing, they were taking in premise ideas for what might happen when the kids are in school. And I had an idea of, Naz wasn't doing that well in school, so maybe Double D had to tutor her. Mm -hmm. And then to sort of build on that nervous Double D dynamic, which it sort of bumps a bit on when he had to teach her how to drive like that episode. Yeah. Um, and another idea I had, which would have been good. And I know that people love to ask what was under double D's hat. Yeah. But I had an idea when they're in school, if the school implemented a no hat rule, then double D would just be sweating it. Like what the hell is he going to do? How does he work around? not being able to have a hat on while he's at school and those both got picked up like they're like we like those ideas and I, I mean it was just a little blurb like what I told you the little premise and they I just never panned out never happened but 
it's funny you bring that one up because that question I get asked whenever I, cause whenever I have somebody on, I go, if you could ask these guys any questions, what would you ask them? Cause not everybody's lucky enough to talk to the people I've gotten lucky enough to talk to. Um, that one is generally the first question that everybody asks. It's never going to get answered. And up until I started doing this podcast, I didn't even know that this was a thing. I just watched it. I was like, oh, he just doesn't want his hat being taken off. It's, I think it's funnier to know that there's probably nothing underneath that hat. And when I was talking to, uh, you know, Tony, Matt and Sam, that was the first thing that came up. And then uh, uh, what was it? Sam was saying he was like, I always thought it'd be cool because he's like, I saw this conjoined twins twin story back in the day where this guy had teeth and a tongue or some shit like that from an old twin that was on his head and he was like I always thought that would be cool if that's what was under Ed's head it was like an old twin or a twin that didn't make it and then Tony was like nah just shove a dildo in that thing and he's gonna have a dildo underneath his hat so that's what I always tell everybody that he's got a dildo underneath his hat um so it's, it's always weird and varying to see like what people would say or what people would want to do um, but it's, it's always the same answer. It's like, who knows? It wasn't supposed to be known. You know? No. And I think it like someone already asked that on, uh, Instagram. And I just said, we didn't know. No one knew. The only person that would have known would be Danny. And I think it's a lot funner to not know. Not let people know. Like people are still like, how long is it since that show has been out there? People are still talking about it. There's still theories about it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, going into another, I just lost it. Uh, I'm sorry. I hit the wrong, wrong one thing. Um, so, uh, going back to, uh, one of the ones was actually for sausage party. Uh, they wanted to know, was there a, cause you said you never wanted to follow Scotty. So did you ever have to go up and pitch and did you get anything put into the movie that you had to pitch when you guys were coming up with that, that crazy, when you were talking about like, Hey man, we need to get some crazy shit in there. Those scarlets. Oh yeah. The sex stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was there anything pitched? Yeah. I mean, there's like sections of sauces party that I did that got into the movie, but I mean, have since been sort of altered. Like I know the one um, female character she puts groceries in the car and she like she has like this camel toe and she yanks it out and she says I don't know what the line is in the movie but it was like some boat having a douche or whatever it is but I think that's in the movie I don't know there's, uh, there's a douche in the movie yeah I did this other section where they're like just climbing up the shelves and whatever and I had more of an Indiana Jones type version of them having fun but i think that all got chopped and eventually it just goes to them up on the top of the shelf or whatever so like a lot of things you do as a storyboard artist like you'll just pitch ideas and even if it gets through it might be trimmed down or maybe the shot gets changed and stuff but a lot of stuff that i did on that movie is on the cutting room floor because when i worked on that version douche was an entirely different type of character like before Nick Kroll got in there and made it like, you know, like a she type fucking guy, he was more of a menacing, uh, like Hannibal Lecter yeah. type yeah. suave villain, you know, and he had like this gaggle of rats that he went around on and it was really cool. And Scotty did like these awesome rats. There's such um, cool designs. And there's this one rat named Dangles because he got his nose caught in a mouse trap 
So the trap snapped on his nose and then his like nose just sort of like dangled. Like, so there's this one, one rat with like this dangly nose and it, it like dangles became a character. Yeah. Um, and then there was a part in that movie that I was doing where douche interrogates Lavash. Mm-hmm. So Lavash is all tied up and douche is there with his rats and he's like trying to interrogate interrogate him so he's like taking his hand and he's like caressing the rat and then he lifts up the rat's tail and he takes his finger and he puts it in the rat's ass and really works his finger around and then like lavash is seeing all this and like then douche comes towards him and this is all a section that i did um and he has like his finger dripping with like whatever anal juice uh, going towards Lavash and Lavash is freaking out. And then eventually he grabs him by the mouth and he puts his finger in his mouth and starts <laughs> like all around. It was it was fucking crazy. Um and it's sort of funny because like when I did the I can't even like my my daughter and wife around uh I, oh. Sorry, I'll get back to my story. Um, yeah, when I <laughs> just a bit of a break there. When the finger was in the rat's ass, I had a camera angle that was like inside the colon. Mm-hmm. So it was like, we called it the inner anal cam, but I would, I would just say one word like inner anal. So it was like this camera with like this finger coming in and like working around that. Just, it was so gross. Like, this section was nuts, and then yeah, he, he put that same finger in the mouth, and I think that version made it in for a little bit. But I, I know that Seth Rogen was on some talk show talking about it, and he's quoted as saying like animators are sick people. Because like we just did like the most the crazy stuff. Um, but I think they did a test screening with that interrogation scene with the rat's ass and people just got up and left like they're like I, I it was too gross i i would have sat down and laughed my ass off i probably would have been the only one in there but i would have thought it was funny um but as i'm i gotta cut this one a little bit short because i got my mom's coming down there i keep getting text messages we're hungry we're hungry we're hungry um so if you're up for it you know a little bit down the road i'll have you back on because i do there are some things that i just didn't get to hit because like i said i was trying to get everything that i possibly could into this but if you're yeah. down the road what were you going to show me though did you have something to show me oh i mean i promised the the old don and ed's people that i would show some drawings yeah man show I us have all this show us i us have this random ed stuff here like these uh ed and matchbox cards pretty good um second I'll see if I can find these drawings. Yeah, I think I probably got to get going soon too. But uh, while you're looking, maybe you can think about this one. Um, I always like to end it with this one. But when you when you think about Ed, Ed, and Eddie in particular throughout your entire career, when you think about that time that you spent with those guys at AK and those girls at AK, um, what what's the first word or emotion that you think about? when you reminisce on those Ed, Ed, and Eddie days? What's the first word I think about? 
what's the first word? What's the first emotion that you really think about? Like whenever you think about that, like whenever you sit there and think about a specific point in time in your life, you always go like, oh man, I just love being around my grandma because she always just loved me unconditionally. But when you think about like that point in time in your life, man, what comes to mind? Uh, I mean, I want to say like lucky, but I'm just more trying to pin it on. It was just a, it was like a right place, right time when all that happened. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe not so much luck, but just the timing of it all, like to have uh, Scotty and to have Jim, to have Jewel and to have all these artists, I want to say like Sabrina Raven, um, Tran, everyone mm -hmm. come out and work on this project together. Like, and a lot of those people, I think it was their first job or close to or around their first job. So I think to get that group of artists at that certain point in time to make that show, I mean, I don't really know if that show could be made today. I don't think it does. Like I, the timing of it all just sort of worked out. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, like uh, Danny, the way he would um, obviously push things and then put his own money into things. If it, whatever didn't meet a deadline and had to come out of his own pocket, the way, the way I worked on a show for 10 years to do five seasons and however many specials and whatever, like, like you do not hear about a show taking two years to do a season. It just doesn't exist right now. Never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so the timing of it all just is crazy. I mean, I also feel really lucky to work with all those people. So uh, yeah, right place, right time. A lot of, a lot of stars aligned to, to make that show, I think. I mean, uh, that era of Cartoon Network was a good era. It's the greatest era of cartooning. I'm gonna just, you guys are always so humble. That is the greatest era for cartoons, for me specifically. Um, it was, an era that will, I don't think can ever be touched because you can put any of those cartoons that came out from Ed, Ed, and Eddie to Johnny Bravo to Curse Coward Long, Dexter's Lab to insert any other cartoon. You can put those against the juggernauts of the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Nobody likes talking about the 80s too much, but even in the 70s and early 90s to mid 90s, you still put those in there and they hold up. Um, so I'll, I'll say it for you guys. And I always usually have to, because like I said, a lot of you guys are just super, super humble. And I appreciate that about you guys. You guys did something so special at a specific point in time. And we're, like you said, we're still talking about it. Fuck almost 20 years later. Right. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I like, I don't know, man, like as the prop designer in the show, I just drew Kevin's bike a lot. Like, I wow. feel like I, <laughs> you know, why wouldn't I be humble? I, I did some cool stuff, but you know, like you're in the fucking Navy for how long? Um, seven years. It wasn't fun at all. So, um, well, I'm just saying, like, I, I did that for years. seven years. That's that's wild in my books, man. Like, that's awesome. Uh, we're just doing what we do, and you know, worked out. <laughs> It, it worked out and it played in spades. And I really hope that one day that this show might have a comeback. Everything really seems to start having a comeback. So maybe, 
And hopefully Danny's got some stories that he really wants to tell and you guys get to come back. I would love to see a reboot of this, but just to get back to that promise you made to that one person, man, you got any pictures that you wanted to show him? Honestly, uh, just a second. I could have dropped the ball on this. I thought I had them. Uh, I don't know where they are. Okay, no problem. What, what I'll do is... If- I will uh, either I'll come back on a, another episode or I'll just post those to to Donna that's because I mean I, I said I'd show like some early versions of Eddie's brother I do have them somewhere we, I, can, we I, can do one of two things we can either I can have you back I'll have you on as long as you want because like I said we could sit here and talk for hours and we still don't even scratch the surface of what you've done and what you can do and what you will do down the road in your career um, but what we can do is either you can post them to Donna Ed's no problem if that's how you want to do it or if you find some and you want to send them to me, I can cut them into the video and then we can pay, uh, put oh, them yeah. you know, towards the end of the video. However you want to do it is completely up to you. I just don't like sending fans home, not angry or upset, like, oh, man, I kind of want to see that type of thing. Um, but like I said, I feel like we hit a lot of good points. We did do a little bit of flip and flopping from career to career. But like I said, I try to cram as much as I can into that. Um, thank you for what you've done. I mean, not just for Ed and Eddie, but I love the Adams family. I, I fucking loved Sausage Party. I loved all the stuff that you've worked on. And I really, really appreciate everything you've done, man. Um, and if I can say anything, it's it's thank you. Um, I hope you had a good time. Is there anything else you'd like to say? All right, then yeah. we're back after a few technical difficulties. Don't worry. Kumi figured it out, man. So he's back. But uh, I just want to say thank you for everything you did. Not so much just for just Ed and Eddie, but I love Sausage Party. I love the Adams Family. It's, it, it was everything you've done, man. I've had such a fucking fun time just sitting back watching it, sitting back sharing it with my son. I get to pass on cartoons and shows. I can't show him Sausage Party yet. He's only 11. I don't want to ruin his life just yeah. yet. Um, you know, I need him to be a little bit older so he can get some of these. Uh, some of these innuendos if you will through this movie but nonetheless man i really enjoy where you started the stories you told what we talked about even though we flipped and flopped just a little bit Uh, i love what you're doing with your shirt company like Mm -hmm. i said man i can't wait till there's a print out there because i'm gonna buy like i said four baby a kid myself and my wife and we're taking pictures with these and i'll make sure i send you a picture with your fucking gear on man we're gonna go get pictures done and it's going to be your t-shirt designs, man. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, like I said, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for everything you've done, man. And is there anything that you'd like to say to the fans out there before we hit stop? Uh, you know, I just, I mean, it's sort of what I've been trying to do with Destroyers and uh, my Instagram lately is just like, I've been trying to share stories of other artists on destroyers lately like i've been asking people like hey how'd you get your start like do you have any advice for uh, kids who want to become an artist because i think it's a really confusing time yeah. um when you're in high school and you're trying to figure out everything and what to do and especially like with me pre-internet i just had no idea what was going on with the animation industry and uh you know i just think you, you just got to keep at it. Like my story is I was never really the best artist. Uh, I still, to this day, like, you know, I'm turning 44 in a few weeks and I still try to push myself uh, to become, to improve on my skills. I, through high school, I was just, wasn't the best. I had to work at it. You just keep on working. And even though I had a bunch of people throw speed bumps at me, I'd 
just sort of heard of those and kept on my path because I sort of knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for kids, especially in this day and age of uh, social media and stuff. Like, you, I mean, you can get a hold of us artists and ask us questions. I mean, I'm trying to develop this thing with the stories that if you do have questions about how to take that next step, like I want to help you. So uh, yeah, just keep at it and keep drawing. And there's tons of opportunity out there. Just go get it. So. I mean, I couldn't think of a better way to encapsulate it, man. You were a fascinating person and you were an outstanding human being. A real class fucking act, Corey, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> fucking in there before we left. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I like I love the message you're preaching. I love the positivity. Talking to you, man, is fucking fantastic. I've had a good time. Like I said, we've talked about a little bit of everything. Obviously, we couldn't do everything in one episode. So there was some questions that I had written down, but you kind of answered them, you know, throughout us talking and stuff so i didn't want to you know wait till the end and then rattle off a few that you already really answered um but like i said man i really enjoyed you know this chat even though we had some speed bumps and yeah word you just a couple added. changes there yeah <laughs> but nonetheless man it's been fun he's been fucking to me and this has <laughs> been julian this has been a what's in my head podcast thank you guys so much and i'll talk to you guys later thanks again for checking out the what's in my head podcast if you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.